Okay, hello again, everybody. We're back again today. Got another cool sci-fi film to re review for you guys. So today we're talking about the movie Contact from 1997, uh, starring uh, Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey. So kind of similar to uh, we did before we did Interstellar. So this is like uh, in the same kind of vein, uh, sort of science exploration movie. Um, yeah, I feel like I feel like this movie really. The, the, those two films are very similar and this film was kind of very much before its time I feel like in watching it again now like there's so many many things that uh, that the film like sort of tries to do mm -hmm. um, that with the technology we have today could have been expanded on big time um, but you know they were trying to use like the sort of computer technology of the 90s and it's kind of interesting to see it in perspective now i think it still holds up pretty well it didn't look as bad as i was like worried it would um but you can tell like if it had been made like in 2020 or even like 2018 that like the tech oh my god the things that they could have done could have been amid like just seeing like the difference between the wormhole and in interstellar and then the wormhole in con in contact yeah very different i mean kind of similar because again it's all like we don't know what it actually looks like on the inside so it's all theory and everything like that but um it's it, yeah they they could have done more if it had been made later but like i also i like that oh the dog's moving i also mm -hmm. like that um nostalgia feel of it all too yeah oh there there's some interesting stuff that they do um and we'll talk about that like how they weave in the the film characters with actual archival footage and that creates a very interesting effect um and yeah so you know we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to there but that that stuff was done really well like they've done that well since forrest gump mm. um so that was kind of cool that you know this film is grounded in an actual time period you know yeah. in the 90s and it kind of it made it a little bit more um relatable I guess because if they if if it had been made maybe like when Obama was like president or something like that like I mean first of all I think he totally would have just done the movie I think Obama would have been fine with it um, again it would have you know grounded us in that kind of reality but most of us who are our age remember when Bill Clinton was president yeah so and I Absolutely. totally think he knows that the aliens are real I totally like <laughs> he's talked about it before about the aliens this is a guy who loves this shit. Yeah, they, they the Clintons do have an interesting um, relationship with that kind of stuff. Extraterrestrials. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I remember. So this was something that was very kind of not really talked about, but like when Hillary was running, she said she was going to release all the documents about that 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 the U.S. government knows about UFOs. She didn't win, so maybe <laughs> we'll never see it. That was kind of an interesting thing. Like she's like the most pro UFO presidential candidate. <laughs> yeah, because they probably party with aliens, dude. I think they probably are aliens in some way. The Clintons were taken over a long time ago. Yeah, pro extraterrestrial life. Yeah. We love ET. Yeah, yeah. I mean that. I. It was a couple of years ago, right? That they released this Navy footage of an actual ufo and they're like we don't know we have no idea what it is but that we just don't know anymore weird weird yeah. they're i feel like they're totally fine but just saying we don't know <laughs> like here you go it's a it's a few years old but maybe it was over your house at one yeah. point <laughs> like <laughs> well, i like, think here, they're here hi here's, here's the thing right 
So the universe is humongous. Like it is beyond the scope of everything. Yeah, Yeah, it is. So and so it it totally makes sense that there would be some type of life out there. You know, the real the real question to me is just like, you know, have they been there here? And do they really care to talk about to come to us? Like, you know, do they really care? Do they care our little trivial, you know, we're just like a bunch of monkeys kind of jumping around attacking each other so yeah i mean or maybe they've the 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 contact the contact that they've made has been just i don't know total fuck up and then just like yeah maybe we shouldn't try their heads tend to explode when we say hi i'm not sure why (laughs) maybe we should leave them alone yeah yeah i mean like and then there's there's some really compelling alien abduction stories where you just like even the most skeptic of person like Brian does not believe in the existence of aliens. Does not. But I told him about, like, there are these alien abductions that happen simultaneously in New Hampshire on this one night. And it's completely unexplained. Completely. No one can explain it. These people never met. And they all got abducted at the same time. Had memories of seeing each other. And met later on in life. Like, this one lady was like, yeah, I ended up meeting him. And as soon as I met him, I knew exactly who he was. Because I saw him when he was a kid in an alien ship. And it's like <sighs> Unsolved Mysteries did one. The new version of Unsolved Mysteries. It was one of the most compelling things I've ever seen. Like makes me. It's st- it reaffirms like that. I'm like yeah they're, they're here. I'm fine with it. They're here. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up alien abductions. Because uh, it's definitely something for me to talk about. <laughs> my feelings on that stuff in the 90s. So. Um, I think we've talked about this a few times off air. I don't know if we've talked about it on air, but uh, I'll just talk about it now because it actually is sort of pertinent to this film in the time when it came out for me. So like at some point in the kind of probably like mid 90s, probably like 94, 95 or something like I basically had just had a television in my room for the first couple of years. And so, you know, back in the day when you would flip channels, I like flip channels and I came on this history channel thing about people being abducted by aliens. And uh, yeah, it scared me to death. Best way to put it, <laughs> scared the living shit out of me. And I remember when this trailer came out back in the '90s, and like she, when she first hears that like beeping noise of, of the signal, mm-hmm. like that scared me. I was like, dude, no, I I don't want to <laughs> see this movie because the aliens are coming. Um, I don't know why, but they're gonna start taking people. Like, I, I, for, for me, this was like a horror setup. It's like, yeah, we get the. We get the signal, but she's excited, but little does she know she's going to get abducted. She doesn't know, Jody. You don't know. It's okay. Yeah. You don't know any better. <laughs> sad. So, yeah, for me, this, this this movie, like, legitimately kind of scared me for probably five years. So I don't think I saw it until the mid-2000s, ironically. I was never afraid of being abducted by aliens because I'm always just kind of, I've always been that type of person who's been like... I mean, I kind of want to see what's going on, but the first movie that I remember watching that scared me about alien abductions when it finally sunk in that maybe these aren't benevolent little critters was Fire in the Sky, which is also based on a true story about alien abduction. That scared the crap out of me because like it was because it it was it's very violent. It's not warm and cuddly. It's not E.T. And it's just it's That that was the first yeah. one that scared the crap out of me. It was it was creepy. It was really really just uncomfortable. Yeah, there's a lot of there's you know it's 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 I feel like it's actually something that's not explored a lot, um, <clears throat> for whatever reason. 
as a horror premise, but <clears throat> I think it's because like serial killers are easy because we all know that serial killers exist. Ghosts are I feel like it should be as popular as the ghost, you know, trope because no one can actually prove that there's a ghost. It's all like is is it just shadows? Is it just oh it's a dust speck? That's not that's not a soul floating there. Oh, it's just a dust yeah. speck or something. You know what I mean? But yeah. for some reason, yeah, alien abduction horror movies aren't that common. I thought there was one that came out that was also based on a true story. It's about a psychologist, I think, in a cabin. And I think she's, like, talking to a bunch of people who claim that they had been abducted by aliens. I can't remember the name of it. I think the chick from Resident Evil was in it. Whose name? I think I know what you're talking about. I think there was one It was called, like, I think the one you're talking about is called The Fourth Kind, something like so, that. Yeah, something like that. Um but yeah, it's not really a, it's not, like you said, it's not all that explored, really. At least, like, I, that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head for that and Fire in the Sky, but. I, I also feel like, you know, a, another thing around this time period, right, is like the X-Files kind of stuff. X-Files took up a lot of that bandwidth mm. for these Yeah, maybe stories. a lot of people were just like, eh, X-Files has already done it. Like, yeah. eight <laughs> times. <laughs> they have, right? So it's like, times. like every week is basically a different thing monster or alien or something yeah if it's not like it's not some creepy person hiding under a bed yeah <laughs> or in a closet yeah. or the pyro i really sh- I, I started watching that from start to finish and for some reason i stopped i don't remember why because i love i loved x files i've never seen it from start to finish i've seen most of the important episodes um i know i like it enough to say i know i like it enough that i love doggett's character but not the other one the other lady can't remember her name that's it <laughs> that's all i got yeah that show that show really was big for that kind of sci-fi stuff like on the the other axis because like this this was trying to you know this is like a hard sci-fi mm. that was sort of playing into the you know the i don't know what you would call conspiracy or oh definitely um, conspiracy you know, definitely hardcore kind of like stuff. government conspiracy a lot mm-hmm. of the time um, but both sides are fun. Like I love the hard science stuff because I'm like, oh, I'll never be that smart. And then yeah. <laughs> I'm like, the X Files stuff. I'm like, well, maybe. yeah, maybe that's real. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, the truth is out there. Maybe the truth is out there. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like you need them both. You need them both to balance because those people all exist in real life. You you have like the conspiracy fantasists, and then you have like the hard sciencey people. And I feel like you need that balance between the two. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so yeah, let's get into the plot of Contact, so just we can go over some different points and talk about them. Uh, so this film starts with like uh, the CGI shot of Earth, and then we hear this sort of radio signals <clears throat> that are sort of modern uh, music and stuff like that. And then it zooms back and it travels basically all the way back to uh, like the farthest galaxy or something. And then ba- we're sort of hearing signals over time. Um, this shot was really cool. Like I... Yeah, this, so I read that this was the longest CGI shot of its time. I mean, um, I believe one. it. It was beautiful. It was really yeah. good. Yeah, it's really well done. Um, and it's quite a way to start this movie, right? Because like that's really kind of the thematic thing. Well, I know? also like it, that shot because it is. It just it kind of just keeps going, and there's moments of silence. There's a lot of moments of quiet, and then there's the signals. But it also goes back to that line that's repeated, um, which is. If we are the only ones here, it's a huge waste of space. And it's kind of giving you that perspective of how big it is. And I, I liked that. And it's just and, and and it's just super pretty. It's just a really pretty shot. <laughs> yeah, even still today, it's a very mm-hmm. pretty shot. Um, what's funny, too, like that shot was probably made with computers that are equivalent to like your cell phone. 
pretty much. <laughs> That's pretty cool to me. I mean, damn. Yeah. yeah. So, and then it transitions into, um, so it's like Ellie's eye, <laughs> so which is really cool. Like, and then we all see stardust. Her. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, um, she's a very, like, you can tell she's a very precocious kid, like into science and stuff. And she's like sending this signal on shortwave radio. And then we see her dad, uh, who's played by, who plays her dad? I forget. Um, David Morrissey. Yeah. Her dad, Ted. Um, and then they have these kind of conversations and you can tell he's sort of really pushing her towards, you know, science and stuff like that. Um, which is cool. <laughs> that's not, again, that's not something you see a lot in the character, like the young girl who's into science and like the dad who's like, yeah, that's, that's good. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, there's a lot of like stereotype breaking in this, this kind of, this kind of thing. Yeah. He's it's not cool. like, Oh, you should be out playing with other kids. You should be out playing with dolls or riding your bike or this, that, and the other thing. No, he's encouraging. He's a very encouraging dad. No matter, like, I feel like if she liked, if she wanted to be a brain surgeon, he would have encouraged that. You know what I mean? He doesn't yeah. care exactly what she's interested in, but he's interested in it because it's his kid. And it's just the two of them. So I, I like that he's he's a very present dad. I don't know if we really go over what he did for a living, but he's very he's very present. Yeah, he seems very present. He seems like a good good dad. Um, they, they have this short kind of, it's like the person she contacts is this guy in Florida. I think it's Pensacola, Florida. Mm-hmm. And that's gonna come up later. Um, and the the actor who plays the young version is Jenna Malone, which is kind of cool. <laughs> oh yeah, she's been acting forever. Oh my oh, god. Yeah, yeah. You find that a lot of you know, th there's a fair amount that have been on so like guy that comes to mind is uh, um, oh, I forget his name now. But there's a lot of them that were like Disney or Nickelodeon. They they did a lot of a lot of work. <clears throat> I like Elijah yeah. Wood. He's been acting since yeah. he was like a little kid. The first thing I ever saw Elijah Wood in was um, Forever Young with Mel Gibson and Jamie Lee Curtis, I believe. Pretty good movie. It's basically Captain America without the superpowers. Mm. Um, but it's it's a pretty good 90s, 90s movie. You know, heartwarming, family friendly for the most part. But um, yeah, he's one that's been in everything. I love that he's doing that he does weird, weird stuff. Yeah, he does weird stuff now. Yep, he's, I love he's that. He's got that Lord of the Rings money, yep. right? And he's like, he's like, I can do whatever the fuck I want. I'm Frodo, bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm I'm set for life, so I'm just gonna do these weird indie movies. Pretty much. Um, but yeah, I like I like Jenna Malone. I've always kind of liked her. I liked um, I like that she. I like how she grew up and started, you know, changing the parts that she played. And um, but yeah, so it was nice to see her. You know, she's good. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Um, yeah, like, like another person that comes to mind is like Leonardo DiCaprio. Like that dude was like in everything. Yeah. You want to talk about made? Oh my God. I sometimes <laughs> wonder if sort of, that these if these actors are just made in a lab somewhere because it's almost like, this is just too weird. Like they're, they're just too good that young because I don't always like child actors, um, because they're young and they're still learning the craft. Um, but when they understand an, a, a relatively adult material, and they're very and they're good at acting and portraying that character. It's it's mind blowing that someone so young can be that that good. Yeah, um, yeah. He was one of the he was he was great, and he's still great. Because um, like he would get every good role basically. That's what they talked about Leonardo when he was a kid. He would just like every role that was good, he would get them all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then he got Titanic, and he was just kind of set again for life. got yeah set for life. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so so then this movie, so then we flash forward and we see Ellie when she's grown up and she is Jodie Foster. Um, <clears throat> and so she now works for, basically she works for this organization that's a part of SETI, which is this uh, search for extraterrestrial intelligence, which is real. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people, yeah, just for anyone who wouldn't know, this is a real thing. This does exist. Um, and then, so then she meets uh, this guy, Palmer Joss, who's played by Matthew McConaughey, and they're kind of opposites, but I guess, you know, as you could say, opposites attract. He's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this, yeah, this is 90s McConaughey, which is like his other peak. So when we watched Interstellar, that was like the second peak, and this is like- Yeah, that was the peak. second wave of McConaughey. <laughs> he had a very good year uh, in 97, because he was also in the Spielberg Amistad movie. Which was big. So yeah, he was like in a lot of big movies in the nine, in like at this portion of the nineties. Um, and then he kind of the two thousand, early two thousands didn't treat him well. He was in a lot of rom coms and then Sahara. <laughs> yeah, I felt like it was kind of like this weird because you're he was coming down from like this high of the nineties, mm-hmm. like you were saying, like he peaked, and then like the two thousands came along, and movies were very strange in the two thousands. Like there's some really really good movies, but then it was almost like every studio didn't know how to evolve or progress in this new decade, this new era that was coming. And I feel like a lot of actors took like, took a couple hits from like their peak in the nineties. And he was definitely one of them because um, how to lose a guy in 10 days is terrible. It is such a terrible I remember seeing that in theaters. I don't remember why we went to see this movie. I think my mom wanted to take my sisters and I to like a girl date or something, but it was just so bad because I, I don't like Kate Hudson. Um, yeah. You're not the only one. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the. I'm not I mean, has she, have we seen her in anything in the Rom-coms. last like eight years? <laughs> Rom com. She does like. I think she made like athletic wear or something like that, yeah. or. I think she kind of she's kind of doing like a Joan Fonda did in the eighties. Like I'm not sure yeah. what it is, but she's trying it. Um, but yeah, the the early two thousands were not cool to McConaughey. I feel like, and I could be wrong. I feel like when McConaughey started getting like respected again, and this is gonna sound weird, was probably his part in Tropic Thunder. That might have helped, yeah. <laughs> because after that, I feel like I started seeing him like subtly more and more and more and then true detective came out and he just he was back yeah. he was back with a vengeance and it's like actually i can act and i'm gonna do it really really well <laughs> like uh i love true detective yeah that season one is like incredible it <laughs> it's really absolutely is incredible it, it's so incredible it speaks to me on so many different levels <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um yeah i think i i think you're kind of right about for sure, like like when he did <laughs> when he did that one random role in Tropic Thunder, that was the beginning. Because he wasn't a, he wasn't a le- the leading man in it. I don't. It's not a huge amount of screen time, but and this is a guy who I feel like could have been in any number of the Marvel movies. Like I, I feel like I could have seen him in any number of movies in the MCU. Definitely could have pegged him as a Doctor Strange. That's just my like I love Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange, but I feel like McConaughey really could have brought something interesting to that. Um. He could have done like a ton of different things, but he chose to go from a leading man to a minor part, not the leading man. And then True Detective came along and he just, again, second wave. Now he's doing freaking Lincoln commercials. Like, who the hell is this guy? (laughs) Who is he? Like, and he won an Oscar. Yeah. His second wave, he won an Oscar. It's like, (laughs) I mean, think what you will about the Oscars and, you know, 
all that other stuff about Hollywood. Like, and he said, thank, I want to thank God. Like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) I would, I would think, yeah, whoever was the the person in his team who decided, because like, yeah, he did a whole bunch of these roles, like, I think it was one of like the Lincoln Lawyer and these other like very indie kind of movies, but his performances were all good. That led up to Dallas Buyers Club. Yep. Like that's that's why you got the Oscar, dude. You you like put in the work. Yeah, I think he had to put the work back in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you put the work in for the '90s. That's great. Now people don't think you're that cool because you were in a bunch of Kate Hudson movies or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, now you have to earn it again. You have to earn it. The other thing, too, is, you know, he, like, when you're at the top, you kind of, you live a different life and a different lifestyle. Because, like, he was he was married to, I think it was Penelope Cruz at the time. Wow, I and, did not know that. Yeah. I believe, they were either married or they were, like, you know, they'd been together for a few years. Like, that's why they were in the movie Sahara together. <laughs> like, you can see it's all, it's all, it's all, it all like, Sahara is the moment. <laughs> um and he's just like he's a very he's a very like there's a certain kind of like texas hippie kind of guy oh god yes and matthew, right and matthew mcconaughey is the embodiment of that guy like i remember he was like he did this interview with oprah it was him and penelope cruz with oprah and you could just tell the guy was like he was like talking about oh yeah i don't shower like i just have my natural scent <laughs> He got arrested for playing his drums or gongs or something too loud in the nude, smoking a bunch of pot. Like, like he is a Jesus-loving hippie, and he doesn't care. Like, can you imagine being on the red carpet, and he looks great in his tux and everything, but you're like, damn, Matthew McConaughey looks great, but can you smell him? Yes, he hasn't taken a shower. Like, come on. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are sweating on the red carpet, but damn. I mean, hey, you know, I think I read his current wife, who I think, I don't know if she's an actress or not or whatever, but I think, yeah, that was part of a, like, they had to have some kind of compromise or something like that in their marriage because he doesn't, he doesn't wear cologne, he doesn't wear deodorant, he's all natural. (laughs) He is such a hippie. He is such a hippie, right? Like Mm -hmm. you said, Jesus-loving hippie. And he's fine with it. And you know what? I'm fine with it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is who he is. And it's, you know, but I feel like that, I don't think he was like that in the 90s, right? No, like he, I, I feel like he was definitely still a, a hippie and definitely smoking a lot of pot. But. Yeah, he's, yeah he, was, he was probably smoking weed and, like, you know, doing his thing. But he didn't get to that level until the 2000s when he just, like, he was like, okay, this is who I am. <laughs> I think there's definitely – and there's there's more of a humility in his performances now than I think that, than there used to be. I think he's definitely grown into a more humble individual, and I can only speculate because I don't – we'll never know Matthew McConaughey, unfortunately. Um, but um, there's just, like, there's there's a maturity and a humbleness, I feel like, to his his roles that he plays now. You know, he's not just playing – he didn't go the action hero route. You know, he's still trying to save planet Earth and Interstellar, but he's not like it's not like he's gonna go drill a a rig into an asteroid that's shooting towards yeah. Earth or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, what were your first impressions of like seeing uh, Ellie and Palmer sort of interact? Um, I liked it. There's definitely, obviously, like a, a an attraction immediately, but I think part of it is more the fact that they are fire and ice. They are yeah. two, like, you couldn't get more opposite. 
you couldn't get two people that are more unlike one another. <laughs> you know, he has this spirituality that, you know, is obviously very connected to his faith. And she has, I think she has more spirituality in her than she's willing to admit. Um, but she's very scientific. She needs to see God in front of her. If God exists, she needs to shake his hand, you know, and Matthew McConaughey yeah. doesn't have to, cause he just goes on faith. He has faith. Yeah. Um, and I like that the tables are turned on her later on in the film where she finally sees it from his point of view. She finally sees it. You know, she doesn't sh shake God's hand per se, but she has a similar, well, I can't explain it. I just know it happened, <laughs> which is what people who have near death experiences and have a religious moment, whatever it may be, yeah. tend to always say, I don't know how it happened, but it happened. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I like I like that they because that's sort of the thematic premise of this thing, right? Is like of this movie is questioning the <clears throat> the faith versus science, and is there sort of something where both of them kind of meet, you know? And this this film kind of I guess presents a place where they both do meet together at some point um, because, it, like you said, and uh, as we're going to see in her experience, she has something happens that she can't prove precisely not with the evidence that a scientist would want but <clears throat> that doesn't really invalidate her experience no she won't let it invalidate it either because mm -hmm. she's so she's very passionate about what happened yeah. with, to her and to her mind to her soul to her body to everything you know it's not just one part of her it's everything yeah so yeah this it's really interesting um so yeah and then so later on in the film we meet this character David Drumlin is played by Tom Skerritt. Um, he is the president's scientific advisor. And this was, uh, I thought this was an interesting sort of to get into the perspective of like what the 90s was like, because this was a very sort of common refrain. Um, basically, he's there because he's like, well, you know, I don't know if what you guys are doing, you know, searching for extraterrestrial life is actually like, you know, practically useful for or people. Profitable. Mm hmm. So, like, why should the taxpayer be paying for this if uh, if there's not any profitable, right, use for this uh, research for research's sake? Um, yeah, I, I, this is this is like very spot on for like the '90s because there was a lot of this kind of stuff. Like, um, <clears throat> for instance, I think at some point in the '90s we were the United States was considering building a large hedron collider, and yeah, <laughs> we were like there were actual um, like scientists going to congress <laughs> and it's kind of funny like i forget like you know that guy michio kaku that's a, that guy i don't know if I you've heard don't. of him yeah he's he's like one of the big you know science guys who spends a lot of his time trying to communicate science to people he talked about this um it's kind of very similar to like this actually so they're they're gonna they're gonna the united states was gonna build a large hedron collider right <laughs> and so then they had all these people go to congress to talk about why they should fund it. And someone asked him, like, he's a scientist, right? Asked him straight up, like, do you do you think if we pay for this, will we find God? <laughs> they asked him that. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going there. <laughs> I think you could guess which, uh, which side of the aisle that person was from. Um, so yeah, long story short, it didn't get funded and it ended up being built in like Switzerland. Uh, but yeah, so like the, at this time, there was a lot of people, a lot of this kind of stuff was just getting cut, right? Just like the science for science sake. It was just not 
it was a bad time for NASA too. Um, you know, in the seventies and sort of into the eighties, there was funding and then they just kind of were like, Nope, it's done. And it kind of really, you know, I wouldn't, I don't know, set us back, but like there wasn't as much progress made. Mm. So this was a very common like refrain of like, yeah, I don't know if it's really useful. So we're just not going to do it anymore unless there's some kind of like applicable use that we can profit from. Some kind of benefit. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. Um, and, you know, one of the things I never noticed, like the first one, the first couple of times I watched this is like how much the David Drumlin character, he's really the the antagonist in a lot of ways for her. Yeah, he is. He is an antagonist for sure. I think he definitely he definitely like he has those moments where he's just like, oh, Ellie, you're so brilliant. Well, he's also belittling her at the same time and what she believes in and everything. But ha- who is he to say that he's he's right? In that, in telling her that every that what she's working towards is so superfluous, I guess. Um, yeah, and he definitely mansplains a lot. Like this is a movie that's like an epitome of mansplaining. <laughs> like, like the amount of times he cuts her off, you could make it a drinking game. Like, and on the one hand, I almost feel like because Ellie's very factual, she's very scientific, she's mm-hmm. very mathematical. Um, clinical in a lot of ways and I feel like his job is kind of to like okay you're it's going over their heads you need to dumb it down because she doesn't dumb anything down Um, but at the same time she's not talking to people as if they're equals to her and what he he does even though he cuts her off and mansplains a lot he's dumbing it down for the James Woods character or Mm -hmm. the other people in the room who have no idea what he knows what she's saying he completely understands the language and one of my favorite moments is when the signals coming back and you have James Woods in that room and Tom Skerritt and like the military guys. And he immediately goes to work with her. Like he doesn't even think about it. And it's maybe he used to be like that. And he kind of, I think she sees him as a sellout personally. I, I think you're right. He, he's, he's a very political figure. Um, he's an interesting because like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to some other points in the story about what he does. And, <clears throat> You know, I mean, a lot of that has to do with like how the political world works. Oh yeah, he plays like, the, he plays the game. You plays know, game. like he's a scientist who's also like the president of the United States, right hand scientist. Like that is kind of a big deal. That is important. Um, while he belittles Ellie and what she, her search for and her 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 work, she belittles him. It's like, oh well, yeah, okay, whatever. You, she sees him as a sellout. You know, she belittles him in this in similar ways. Um, but I also just think that's kind of her want to be respected by these people as well, to be taken seriously. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So like that friction between these two characters is like a lot of the center of what the film is before we see her, you know, get into the machine. <laughs> um, so yeah, I thought that was interesting. And yeah, like you said, the, the mansplaining is like, it's, it's like, whoa. Oh man, it's out of this world. It's out of this world. Oh my God. That's definitely something like when I was a kid, I didn't pick up on at all. Like, you know, all the microaggressions, all the like, she never gets credit. Um, you know, yeah, we'll talk about it in another scene, but it's just like, it's on a certain level, it's kind of infuriating. You're like, oh my God, not again, not again. It's like, just let her talk, man. She's the one who found it. Like, come on. It's yeah. like, I, I do love that one moment when she's like, she, her and James Woods are going back and forth with each other. She's like, yeah, you think that in the whole world, it's just for Americans. <laughs> like, you fucking moron. Like, <laughs> 
it's just for the United yeah. States. Yeah, like like okay. the information about this discovery, it's like, oh, this is ours. It's proprietary. Blah 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 blah. It's like what? It's, like, <laughs> it's actually speaking a uni- the most universal language. And while I personally do not understand math, I know enough to get by in my day to day life. I do. I do love that idea that math is a universal language. That it is it, anyone can anyone can understand it if you apply yourself. Um, I cannot. I don't get it. As soon as you start adding letters to it, I'm lost. Yeah, it becomes very complicated. Um, yeah. So so later on, so we get this cool scene like where um, Ellie and Palmer they're like at a party and what's his name is there to David Drumlin and they kind of you know, get into, neither one of them really likes him, which is another a thing they have in common. Um, <clears throat> and then like, there's this, like they, the two of them kind of go away together. And then they had, there's this cool moment where um, Palmer, like he, he says the same thing that her dad said, like, oh yeah, if, if we're the only things in the universe would be a waste of space. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course then they have sex, right? <laughs> it's like, yep. They get he got it. <laughs> She's like, wow. I like a man of the cloth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, their pairing is so interesting because, like, again, yeah, they're totally the opposite. They should not be into each other. They should not. Like, but I think it's that that witty repartee that does draw them together because I think she really wants to convince him that it's all hooey and he wants to convince her, like, hey, have a little bit more of an open mind, maybe. Yeah. You know? Have faith. Have faith. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then, like, Later, we get the scene where it's a flashback to like Ellie's dad when he died, and we get this really cool, like one of the coolest shots, like literally of all time, where she's running in slow motion, and then you see, so it's her running and she's going this way, and then the camera flips, and it's her opening this cabinet to get some medicine. It's it's like, and it's totally seamless. It's an unbelievable shot. Like it's so cool. Um, yeah, like I've I've seen people recreate this shot today using today's technology but they actually did that basically practically which is like even more crazy yeah (laughs) it's 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 a wonderful shot and you don't see it coming because why would you anyway um it's really really good i I, and i recognized it because i'm like i think because so like you said i think i've kind of seen something similar done before um but no this it was a very seamless very very beautiful shot and I'm trying to think of why it was there in the first place only because, you know, directors and cinematographers, they always have a reason for setting up a shot in one way. I'm not sure if you have some thoughts on it. Um, Maybe I'm trying to think of maybe if it had some kind of symbolism to it. Um, But it's a very, very good shot. And it's, yeah, very well done. uh, The only thing that would come to mind for me is like, it felt a little similar to the, the stuff at the very beginning with the, zooming way back to see the universe it felt mm. similar to that in a way and <clears throat> because her dad and these kind of moments and we're going to see this this sort of moment for her is important i think maybe also this film is kind of also trying to to talk a little bit about the relativity of time <clears throat> mm. as well okay that, yep. that might be because we're as we're going to talk about at the very end of the film her younger self actually plays a role at the at the end of this this story in, a, mm. in an interesting way so <clears throat> and, but to be honest i feel like zemeckis is the type of guy who's all about the cool stuff and maybe he just wanted a cool shot maybe it doesn't mean anything yeah 
he he is big time into the cool stuff. That's one thing I kind of do like about him. Like he's in the recent stuff, he's gone like he's gone a little too far. Like he's 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 so deep into the 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 you know machinery of it that the story's kind of gotten lost. Yeah, I think there is something lacking in his later work as far as story goes. Because the movie, his movies always look look good, um, but I feel like that storyteller ness maybe maybe is getting stifled just a little bit. Absolutely, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that's a good way to put it because it's too much about the bells and whistles and not about connecting the story for us. Um, like these films, you know, there's all the stuff, but there's there's a point for us to connect with some kind of human character in these stories. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so what I like, so like basically her dad dies because she's not able to get him the medicine quickly enough. And I really liked, so there's a scene where she's like with a priest or whatever, and, he, mm. and she's, she's like mad. She's like, I should have had the medicine at the downstairs kitchen or something like that. Um, she takes a very rational approach, right? Oh yeah, you know, if it was closer, he wouldn't be dead. You know, like it's, she completely dismisses the fact that a priest is trying to comfort her, you know, but she's like, no, it wasn't God. It was the fact that the medicine wasn't where it needed to be. But that's not her fault because it, what if he had had a heart attack upstairs? Then yeah, the medicine would have been where, what if it was downstairs? He had a heart attack upstairs or what if he was outside? What if he was at work? Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, she's only thinking about the scenario as it played out, not in the millions of other ways it could have played out. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but I just thought I, I really like that because it shows like her her approach, her way of thinking for since she was a kid was like super rational. Mm-hmm. Right. She's she's basically been an atheist since she was <laughs> a little kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's, the thing is, her father kind of instills that in her on, at an early age. He doesn't explain the heaven and hell thing, you know, mm-hmm. or he just doesn't straight up say, oh, your mom went to heaven. You know, he doesn't, but he doesn't tell her that God isn't real because I think he's still, I I mean, if she's that scientific, I think he knows what route she's going. Um, But it shows that early break away from religion that it was never for her um, at all. Because again, she's being very rational to a priest. (laughs) Exactly. And he even, again, this is another sort of part of the theme. He says, you know, sometimes there are some things that just, you know, we can't explain. Or something like that, um, which you know again is sort of something she'll understand later. But at the time, she's like, "No, it's just like very simple. If I if the medicine was closer, I could have saved him." Exactly. It's my fault. Aww. So yeah, I thought, I thought that. Yeah, and the other thing we learned too is like, so her mom died in childbirth. So at that point, she has no parents anymore. Yeah, it doesn't really go into like who raised her. Like, did she become a ward of the state? Did she have an aunt or uncle? Maybe it briefly touches on it but no it's not really talked about what happened to her afterwards except that she started on this path of being super brilliant and a super overachiever um (laughs) which i totally relate to um but yeah it's uh they don't really talk too much about how she was raised after that but i don't really think it's that important because Mm -hmm. her father's death shapes her enough to where we kind of can put the pieces together ourselves yeah yeah that stuff really drives her even stronger to be, you know, the science, to pursue science big time. Um, so then David Drumlin turns out, uh, pulled their funding. Dick. And so, yeah. <laughs> so she's hella mad at him for that. Like she confronts him. He's like, well, I'm sorry. It's just, there's no, there's no use. Sorry. You're it's over. That's it. 
Um, so then her and uh, what's his name? <clears throat> Kent, who's played by William. Uh, how do you say his last? Fitchner? Something like that. Fitchner, yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. He's the type of guy, you see him in a lot of movies, right? Yeah, he was randomly in The Dark Knight. He was randomly in that opening scene. He's He works at the bank. He works um, at the bank, yeah. <laughs> like, he's in a lot of random things. Sometimes he has, like, a really major part, like, in contact. I mean, it's, like, a supporting role, but it's pretty important. Um, he's important to Ellie. Um, he can play, like, a bad guy. He can play a good guy. He was in Armageddon. He was in like, Armageddon. He, he, was, he was, like, an astronaut, right? Yeah, he was, like, the captain or something. Um pretty good in that because I, I, I love that movie i love i have such a soft spot for armageddon i really really yeah, do it's fun it's a fun movie it's got a great cast it was made at the perfect time with the perfect people before michael bay became a piece, piece of shit um but yeah he pops up in a lot of random things i like him he's always he's always good yeah he's good here he's good here he plays like a guy who's blind but you know very empathetic sort empathetic, of a good friend you know you just get you get the impression he's just a good guy um mm-hmm. superhuman hearing um yes he's basically daredevil <laughs> yeah he's basically daredevil. but i thought that was a nice touch i i thought it was interesting that someone who has who is m- missing a very important sense the like sight is very important in their job is still a huge asset to them because he's he's still listening to everything yeah. So um basically the two the two of them and some of their other teams they 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 try to go go it alone, I guess if you were. Go get private funding. So then we get this uh scene where Ellie's like at some kind of pitch meeting with some executive people at some foundation run by some rich guy. Um and she's talking to them <clears throat> and they're just like, "No, nah, it's we're 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 not gonna give you the money. And she gets really passionate and um we see like some camera, the CCTV cameras watching her, and someone calls the guy on the phone and he's like, Okay, you get the money. <laughs> yeah, I like how she looks at the camera too. She's not stupid. She's like somebody's watching and she's like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um which is yeah, like when we get into this billionaire character, that's a really interesting very interesting what, what they decided to do with this this character. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think she's kind of weirded out by the fact that someone's watching her, but she's too excited to really yeah. care because to, to, this is this is a huge deal. And Chidiya, she's like, I don't even need to fucking meet him. She's like, I'm going to go get yeah. to work now. Bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got the, what I wanted, the money. And I'm just because she basically spends a lot of time afterward just listening to signals from space right in the the desert out in the desert in her car just listening to shit having a good time because i think she's very happy being alone i think Mm -hmm. she's it's what she's used to not that she doesn't have friends or anything like that but she she could be listening with someone else you know it's always good to have another set of eyes or another set of ears um but no she's pretty content she's happiest just listening to the void (laughs) yeah yeah and so then we we go four years later um you know She's still searching, doing all the stuff out in the desert. Uh, we get a couple of scenes where they basically talk about the scientific community is kind of pushing her out. And a lot of that seems to have to do with what's his name? Uh, her antagonist. Tom Skirt. Yeah. Yeah. So there was some kind of stuff where they're talking about like they're going to kind of because they're renting the time from these massive. Um, yeah. This, it's like the Mexican government they're renting it from. Or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Because mm-hmm. they, I guess they, it's up on some mountain or something. 
So uh, really cool stuff, because that's a real, that's another real place too, um, where there's all these big satellite dishes. That's pretty cool. Like like she's out there on her car and she like presses a button and the and the satellite array moves somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that's really cool. That's gotta feel a little badass. <laughs> that's gotta feel really badass, right? And you're like, yeah, I'm just gonna press this button and watch all these massive satellites tilt like 20 degrees. I think I want to listen to that side of the universe. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Right. That's so like, cool. Ugh, that speaks to me. I'm just like, that'd be so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so then basically, I, I forget what Palmer, what he was doing before. I think it was like a journalist or something. He was trying to interview people. Yeah, he was something some like kind that. of journalist. Um, yeah, I can't, he, I, it's kind of vague, but he was it, trying to get an interview with Drumlin and he kind of brushed him off and he was like, hey, Jody. So. Yeah, he, he found he found his true calling. <laughs> yeah, I think he was he was trying to write a book basically and interviewing people because his whole thing is like, and this is kind of a real thing, which is like science can't give people meaning. Mm. You know, it doesn't. Well, there's the uh, what is it? I forget what what they call it. Like the is the is the is odd gap. Can't okay. really bridge that. Can't really bridge the is odd gap. So cannot tell us what we ought to do. It just tells us how things are. You know. Yeah. The the sun does this. Okay, right? <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't really cool. tell us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and black hole does this. <laughs> okay. Nice. <laughs> Why? But, yeah, exactly, exactly. For most of us humans, we're just sort of like um, <clears throat> our, I guess, sort of material need or our needs are more intrinsically centered around what we think of ourselves in the bigger picture, you know, around society. And those things are totally sort of separate from science. Um, really, I think, it, yeah, I mean, as it should be, because it's like it, science isn't about answering those questions. That's for us to think about, right? Yeah, it's for the the faithful, the philosopher, you know, that's why there is philosophy, you know, like mm-hmm. the why, <laughs> why? That's how it yeah. works, but why? You know, you're telling, oh, there's a ball of fire in, the, in space, why? Like, and we can only answer that for so long for or we in so many different ways you know it's yeah it's the great big why and i like palmer's character that's the thing like i didn't think i'd like him as much as i did end up liking him because i i think there's some people who can take life at face value and just go about their their day maybe less so now only because of social media if that makes any sense um because we're constantly watching other people in so many different ways and how they and and how they live their lives impacts how maybe we should live our life um i mean we watch beauty gurus and home decor gurus so that they can tell us how we should decorate our bedroom instead of just going on how we think we should decorate our bedroom (laughs) even though that's silly it's a silly thing to worry about all the time um i think but i think definitely some people need to be led but I don't, that always sounds kind of negative. Oh, you need to be led. But I don't really know how to dis- describe it in a way that doesn't sound bad, I guess, if that makes any sense. I think I'm losing my, my train of thought a little bit. But do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I know what you mean. <clears throat> people people need some kind of meaning um, or some sort of thing that's driving them to do. Because, I mean, if you really think about it, like all of us are all working together to create this society, right? And a lot of that is basically built on faith, the belief that the other person is going to do 
reciprocity they're going to do for us when we do good for them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not like, <clears throat> like anyone who, you know, you go out and you get food from someone else. I mean, just like, especially now, like, do you, do you know if the other person's not going to like spit on your food or cough on your food? You don't. No, but, you, you have to hope and have faith that they'll <laughs> just give you your burger, <laughs> dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like, I still don't like going to, like, drive throughs late at night because I'm like, yeah. what if? What if? Because I've been yeah. in that situation where someone's come in two minutes before we close, and I'm like, I fucking hate your guts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, there's – there's that's a real thing. Like, there's a lot of stuff in society that's just taken on faith purely, like, where we trust that other people are going to do the right thing. And you know, society still kind of works. Yeah, does with thing. all with all its flaws, like like I always have faith that people are going to merge properly, and they never do. I'm always let down when I get into a car. Every time I get into a car, I'm let down by another human being. <laughs> I still get in the car. I yeah. still get in the car. I still do my errands in the morning. I still come back annoyed that no one in there in the world seems to know how to merge into one lane. But again, yeah. I still get back in the car. And someone might say, oh, that's because of necessity. You need to get back into the car because you need to get from A to Z to A to from Z back to A. But I I could just have shit. I could just have everything delivered. I choose to go out in society because as much of an introvert as I am, sometimes I just need that tiny little bit of communication to hold me over until the next day. And I think (sighs) having faith in humanity is different than having faith in, say, God or whatever your your religious belief may be, you have faith that God has a plan specifically for you. And that makes you feel very special. There's billions of people in the world, but God has a specific plan just for you. And that's part of the appeal. That's part of, you know, why people worship. I mean, it's a, it's a common thing. Like it, I mean, religion goes back a long, 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 long time, basically since human beings have had civilization. It's just a common thing that props up in people's heads. Like, oh, well, look, look at how, look at how we have all this stuff, how we're able to do all these things. How can that be? How can there be just us and our civilization is able to do all these amazing things? There has to be some bigger reason why. Yeah. And I feel like the Matthew McConaughey character would be like, oh, well, look at this civilization. They prayed that rain would come. And they had a great harvest. Therefore, they're going to pray to the rain god, whatever the rain god's name is. Jodie Foster's character character would be like, no, at that specific time of year, there was a lot of rain because of what was happening in the sky, X, Y, and Z. And that's why they had a magnificent harvest. It's not because of a god. But then there's those people in the middle who are just like, I mean, yeah, it makes sense that the weather would make for good crops and harvest. Mm-hmm. But what if? <laughs> yeah, I'm just, yeah, they, those are like the people like, I'm just going to pray anyway, just to yeah. make sure. It can't hurt, right? <laughs> exactly. And that's that's how I think organized religion definitely changed a lot of things. But, you know, it still makes you wonder, you know, it still makes you like, that's why I love lore, like lore and myth and all that other stuff. Because I'm like, sometimes it's just a little too coincidental. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Which is why I'm more of a spiritual person than a religious person. I hate organized religion. But that's a yeah. conversation for another time. Or for this yeah. one, actually. It might be poignant. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, I don't know if they ever really get directly into like the organized religion. They kind of keep it spiritual versus science. Yeah. Uh, which is good because like if if the like imagine if the Palmer or Joss character was like, I don't know, um 
like literally a priest or something, or like he, he was like a Catholic priest or like a Catholic cardinal, then it's like a totally different. Cause then like you, like you're saying, like there's an institution behind the Catholic church. Like that is its own thing. And it's done as an institution has done a lot of questionable to terrible things. Um, but just like, you know, the hippie dippy Matthew McConaughey who plays bongo drums when he's high, is that guy a threat to the world? Probably not. We can like kind of have a conversation about spiritualism with, with him. <laughs> exactly. And he's the kind of guy I would want to have a conversation about spiritualism with because yeah. he could be like, yeah, you know, I respect your opinion, but here's this side of things. I mean, maybe I wouldn't be the best person because I have, I'm not, I wasn't raised an atheist. Um, yeah. But yeah, I feel you, guys, like you guys would have a bit in common probably because you're probably. both sort of raised religious. I'd be a pretty, I'd be pretty bitter personally. But, <laughs> um, but he's someone that you can at least fantasize about having a open-minded and rational conversation with because he just wants people to, he's just, he's an interesting character because he wants people to have faith, but he's not going to be mad if you don't, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, all this stuff is really interesting. And and like, so again, we saw Palmer, he was on CNN with Larry King. That's like another big, big part of this is like, there's a lot of CNN stuff. Um, there's like a crossfire segment we see later. Um, it's just, it's just a lot of CNN. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, CNN was the flagship for this movie. Yeah. It was just like, we're banking on all this archival shit. Yeah. Um, but at the same and time, it grounds you in that reality. It's like, oh, maybe this could actually happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is what it would actually play out in in the media in 1997. Um, and and what's funny is like Larry King, like Larry King basically looks the same. <laughs> he just stopped 30, aging. Yeah, like 35 years ago, like he looks exactly the same. <laughs> he could be 75. He could be 95. We really yeah. don't know what this. We don't is. know. We don't know. We just like he's an alien, right? Oh yeah, he's a reptilian shape shape shifting <laughs> monster. <laughs> Like you just steal someone's body, like, and then he transforms the body into the Larry King, even though it's like a twenty-year-old. <laughs> yep, pretty much. And his, like, his shoulders have always freaked me out. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, he always looks like a gargoyle. Bony. Just like I'm yeah, judging like, you. I'm gonna ask these questions that seem really cool, but really, they're just so Lily. <laughs> so you say you're not, you're, you, you don't believe in religion. Why is that? Doesn't make sense. <laughs> Well, Larry, your aging makes no sense to me. Like, I think he's a vampire. Yeah, yeah. I, that that makes total sense to me if he was a vampire. Yeah. It's kind of the same as, like, George that. Bush. Like, George Bush stopped aging after he left the White House. Like, he's just been the same. Yeah. Just <laughs> totally the same. Yeah. <laughs> and Bill Clinton looks like Lurch. It's just like, ugh. <laughs> Get away. <laughs> Drinking the same shit that Prince Philip probably drinks. It's like, stop. It's freaking me out. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so so then in the movie we get to the we finally get to the point where she hears the signal. And they're like, they're like, oh my god. That's that's probably gotta be like I think they, they sell this really well too. Cause like that's a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. That moment when you hear aliens for the first time, like that's the biggest because that's the biggest discovery, I mean, ever ever yeah oh, right <laughs> everyone's losing their shit like nobody's gonna yes. sleep afterwards like how can you even like yeah. sleep after that and it's just they're all nerding out and it's just yeah. great it's just fantastic yeah it's fantastic and so they're like they're like trying to record the signal and then it comes and it's like boop 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 and then it stops but then it starts coming in again and then they're noticing that it's this it's 
it's sending, so it'll, it'll send all the prime numbers in sequence mm -hmm. between like one and 101. Um, and so, yeah, they're, like I said, they're nerding out. They're just trying to figure out what this thing is, right? So then they make an announcement to the world. Hey, we have encountered an alien signal. And it, like, it becomes a circus. Yes, immediately. <laughs> immediately. The tanks are there. The drones are there. The, everybody's there. James Wood is, James Woods is there. Yeah, James Woods is there. He's the nest, uh, He's he's the he leads the National Security Council, and he's like, yeah, these military guys, because that's another thing too, like the way that the military and science interact, because they actually have to interact a lot. Um, Manhattan Project kind of stuff doesn't always go well. Let's put it that way. the The two minds think very differently, very differently about um, how to approach a lot of stuff, and I feel like this this film kind of covers that pretty well. I'd say. Um, <laughs> because yeah they they i just think there was this interesting story like from the manhattan project there was this one guy who um he was some scientist and he was a super inquisitive guy and so he he was into like picking locks or something like that and so he like he picked everyone's lock for their like uh their private quarters or whatever and then he like gave this list of things to, to the to the military of like okay yeah if you you know i did it just because like i like doing that for fun like if you want to make seriously and it was like if you want to make this like more foolproof you should do these things and the military's you know like they they basically saw him as uh, a security threat um and he didn't disappear kinda, he didn't disappear but they kind of they kind of you know they you know they did what the military does they put extra you know people around him all the time uh and they treated him like he was gonna you know leak information or something don't give this guy any bobby pins or paper yeah. clips <laughs> yeah you were banned from having paper like yeah they just banned him from a bunch of stuff they didn't do what he said to do to like actually increase security of course not yeah so so i just i just think of that because like that's the perfect sort of way like they're not they're not concerned with like you know doing the thing that makes sense or is right it's all about control, controlling the information, controlling whatever the technology is and monopolizing on it for the national interest, which is the military interest, basically. Yeah, pretty much. So um, <laughs> this is this is the interesting part of the movie too. So like they start, so they're, they're doing different stuff to decode the sequence, right? And like, you know, we were talking about before, um, what's his name Show, shows up, David Drumlin shows up and then he kind of takes over. Right, he's there. He's there with uh, James Woods, and he starts taking over. Hostile takeover. A very hostile takeover. Um, what's funny too, right? It's like so all this work that they're doing. The David Drumlin character was like, "This is useless," um, and now he's like actively trying to take, take over. It. Take it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Again, all this stuff that's like infuriating, right? It's so it's so infuriating because you're like. 20 minutes ago in the movie, you were a huge dick and said this was a waste of time and completely useless. And now as soon as it benefits you, as soon as you can either profit off it, weaponize it, monopolize it, it's useful to you. Yeah. And damn anybody who gets in your way. <laughs> yeah, he's going to steamroll people. Um, but yeah, like you were saying before, there's this cool scene where like they're, they're discovering different parts of the signal and they're all kind of working together to science it out. You know, um, and so then they discover that there is a, a video embedded in 
the, the signal that's being sent. Oh, damn. And guess who it is? It's, um... Hair Hitler. Adolf... <laughs> yes, it's Adolf Hitler. It's like, ah! From 1936 Summer Olympics. You just and... see the shot of Jodie Foster's face. And she's just like, oh, no, honey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the James Woods character is like, dude, because like at one point she tells the military people to like kind of get out. <laughs> and then he's like, nah, uh, y'all get back in. <laughs> we got a problem. <laughs> They're sending us videos of Hitler. I mean, I would probably be a little freaked out too if the that first video scary. they sent back was literally Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Not always the best. Maybe no, we it's... should, you know, err on the side of caution. <laughs> That would be so bad. It's, she's so disappointed. Yeah, I know. She's like, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah, it's like it's like the crowning achievement of basically all of science. And then Adolf fucking Hitler steps out. Yeah, and everything they did like during that Nazi era of like science, which was mostly just torture for a yeah. lot of people, is just it doesn't send a very good message for the scientific community either. It's just kind of like oh shit not good yeah it, it's like it, it's it's like you spend all this time to bake this beautiful like turkey and then just like this like like it's burnt. like it's raw yeah yeah, yeah. and then like a, a xenomorph jumps out of it You're like, no. a face hugger just attacks someone like, no! yeah backspace backspace <laughs> it got it got john hurt again yeah yeah, exactly. <laughs> he just can't. He just can't make it can't in science movies. He can't get away from it. Yeah. Um. So then, you know, now this is like a big, big deal. And so then they explain this away. They're like, okay, so here's why it's Hitler, because that was the first signal that was strong enough to get out of the planet. So they, so you know, Jodie Foss is like, look, the aliens don't know what Hitler's about. They don't understand any of that. It's just the first thing that they got from us. So they're not they're not space Nazis. No, they're not. They're just sending it back. Okay. If anything, we're hoping. Oh, this guy's a dick. Let's send it back. Like you know, like I like how she's talking to like that that one lady. I think she's like the press secretary or yeah, something like Bassett, that. Right? Yeah, Angela Bassett. She's like, there's no way they could actually know what a Nazi is. Okay. Like, there's absolutely no reason that they would idolize Hitler. This yeah. makes more sense. And it just, oh God, it just bothers me so much when she's she's being so reasonable to people. And sometimes her attitude comes across as pushy or something like that. But she's being very reasonable. It's like, let's use our brains for a second. And everyone's just like, oh, shut up. What do you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not like she's yeah, been there, devoting her whole life to this or anything. There's definitely, and this is another thing that I feel like the, the film is kind of touching on is like, there's, there's the optics of like how to deal with these things, right? Especially in the political world. And she's so purely in the science world that she's not trying to be concerned with the optics, which is understandable. But that's where like the Drumlin character kind of comes in. And he comes in again here where like <clears throat> there's this White House meeting or whatever. And then he takes credit. And then like, I think, I think um, it was supposed to be, she was supposed to like, this is one scene where she was supposed to speak, but then Drumlin does instead and he gets all the credit. And it's just like, it's like, dude, this is so annoying. Um, <clears throat> but he's the one who Drumlin's the one who deals with sort of, I guess, diffusing the, cause it probably got out that it was like what they got back was Hitler. Mm. And then he, There's a scene of him like at, they do this really cool scene 
in sort of like the Forrest Gump style where they insert the characters into archival footage. Mm-hmm. And he's explaining like, he's basically politically explaining away why 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 it was Hitler without saying that what we got was Hitler back. Yeah. You know, and so he sort of does a really like that's his, he's the PR guy, right? Yes, exactly. He's the science PR guy, the poster guy. And again, he's he's there to diffuse the situations and then dumb down what Jodie Foster is trying to say, because Jodie Foster is trying to get a lot of words out in a very short period of time to people who don't understand any of it. And yeah, it's rude what he does. And it's kind of shitty, but he's just like, mm, you're not really the best person like it's also about personality too i feel like an image and unfortunately those things do matter <laughs> they they matter yeah and that's why that's why people like him go to washington you know because that's 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 his area of expertise really is the polit- the politics the mm-hmm. getting in front of the cameras talking to the president talking to the media talking to you know the freaking head of the NSA or whatever who's a total maniac but you got to <laughs> you got you got to reel this dude in because he's basically your boss pretty um, much they're they're sending us you know blueprints to for a bomb it's like yeah cuz that makes sense like <laughs> like really <laughs> dude or it's a trojan horse they're all going to the whole army is going to come out like okay like like yeah it's just <laughs> What's funny too is like that's that's one of the most realistic things that someone would say because that's yes. so dumb. It's like if if okay, let's imagine a civilization that's intergalactic. They could just come here and invade us and occupy us if they wanted. Literally. That's it. Why would they need us to build a freaking Stargate Atlantis kind of shit? <laughs> they wouldn't. <laughs> they wouldn't. They would just fly here and just be like, "We are your new leaders. We are colonizing you for whatever reason." We do not um, come in peace. It's like yeah. Yeah, it's so stupid. Like, there's no reason to believe that they would be malevolent. They've given the human beings in contact no reason to suspect. They haven't blown anything up by accident. There hasn't been some some Armageddon type thing again to where they're like, oh shit, they accidentally blew up the White House, but they're actually really nice. (laughs) It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. There hasn't been some fuck up on the aliens part that would make anyone think like, oh yeah, it's a Trojan horse. Like yeah. no, if it, they've just they've said hi. That's literally all they've yeah, done it. is say hi. It's like hey, so what you, yeah. What'd you think of like all the kind of nineties technology that we saw in here? All the oh laptops. my god, those monitors. <laughs> they're huge. Like they're just enormous. Like everything's so big and clunky. But that was yeah. like state of the art. I don't know. I think it's funny. I'm One of my like, favorite things is like there's this there's a scene later where um she's she has to talk to the eccentric billionaire and so like there's there there's this thing set up in her like uh hotel room so it's this massive television <laughs> well connected to a laptop <laughs> connected to like a satellite dish <laughs> and all that so that she can do a facetime with this guy in space <laughs> yeah literally just wait 20 years you can have one of these <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just I love that it's like uh what is this thing doing yeah 10 more years just make sure you're next to a tower over here it's just kind of like yeah you got wi-fi yeah i feel like people like there's so many things people take for granted right like you get you get internet like that i also love how crystal clear their facetimes are like (laughs) it's not even that crystal clear right now like yeah no that's yeah no it's it's, not that it's it's never that clear that's something that bugs me about like 
holiday commercials when you like have the grandkids talking to the grandparents like via FaceTime and the picture is so crystal clear and I'm like that's bullshit we'd be seeing that poor connection thing popping up all the time what are you talking about you move you move an inch and the connection gets poor (laughs) it's like ugh I don't know. I don't know why that bothers yeah. me so much, but it does. I'm like, that's not realistic. I mean, there's there's no way in the '90s you got a clear connection with someone else. Yeah, James Wood and Angela Bassett at one point are having a FaceTime convo, and he's like coming in crystal clear, no lag whatsoever. Like even we have a lag right now. We have like, probably like a second, two second lag on our communication end, and we are living in 2020. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like, nah, there's no way it's this good. John Hurt's floating in space and there's yeah. no lag. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's it's utterly ridiculous. Um, yeah, but that was funny. I thought that stuff was really, really cool. Cause like I feel like the last three films have all been at different points since there's all been different, you know, stages of technology. Um so it's kinda it's just funny to like like the nineties for us was like when we were growing up and now seeing it from that lens you're like whoa like that that's like ancient ancient <laughs> yeah kind of stuff like they have like scary. 10 computer screens going at once in their lab like again the monitors are just so huge like you know how like on like an old i don't know dell or something the the screen would kind of have that oval or not oval yeah. but it would be like pushed out a little mm-hmm. bit and there's all of that like it's just it's like wow and now we have and those, flat screen computers. Yeah. Those things were heavy. Those things were yeah. heavy. Oh my god. And just the computer portion of it alone. Like, make sure you got your little Rolodex of floppy disks. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. I love, that's one of the things, like, they're, I don't know if they did that in Star Trek, but they definitely did it in Star Wars, where people are f- sending floppies or, like, like That's, using massive floppy drives. Yeah, Princess Leia shoves a floppy disk into freaking R two D two, and it gets jammed. Yeah. <laughs> like if yeah, a floppy it, disk jammed, like if you put it in the wrong way, because it would be have like that that silver portion of it, and I think it pulled back a little bit or something. But yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Star Trek yeah, does little... it a little bit. They have like little little discs, little square mm-hmm. discs and stuff like that that they have data in. Um, but yeah. The floppy yeah, disk that, is a huge inspiration. <laughs> that that is that is an artifact of a bygone era. Like there is like all information now is passed through the internet. Yeah, and if you much. if you put a floppy disk in front of a ten year old, he would have no idea what it was. No idea. He would have to be a huge tech nerd maybe to know what it was. No idea. But none. Or like um you remember how you used to have like uh, memory cards for like the PS One or something like mm-hmm. that, or for maybe like early gaming devices, you'd need your little game card. Just stick it in there. Make sure you save your game. No game card. What? <laughs> I need to save what? where I was in Grand Theft Auto. Auto. What? Like, are you telling me that your PS PS One didn't have internal storage for your game? You couldn't just download your game from the internet and have it on your device. No, you had to go and buy a physical. Disc. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And if you think it sucked when a DVD skipped. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> You're right, yeah. <laughs> or like or like playing N64 and like you got a blow on the cartridge, mm-hmm. get the dust out of there. <laughs> you have to take like a toothpick and like get out all the fuzz and everything like that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, totally, oh. totally bygone era. I was just totally gonna say bygone, to- bygone is the perfect way to like you fucking kids have no idea how easy yeah, you have it. No idea. Everything's saved to a server now or something. That's what yeah. I assume it is. Um God. 
that's so crazy. If you if you told someone in like the Atari era, in the future you will have a console that is connected to a wireless interface that allows you to download any game at any time and play it with any human being on the planet. <laughs> and they'd be like, what? Yeah, right. Okay. I'm going to go back to playing Mario Kart. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go back to jumping on toads. <laughs> yeah, you know what my video game, what my first video game was? It was freaking Solitaire. Yes, Solitaire. Solitaire. Solitaire, and then what was it? Like the mine game? I yeah, forget what it was. Minesweeper. Minesweeper. Yep. Oh, my God. Or, I think yeah, my brother played like Galaga. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was one other game. But yeah, Minesweeper and Solitaire. We're like, and they were free. Thought, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So then later they find out there's even more stuff on this signal being sent. There's a uh, an image um, with some pages of text, and so it's some kind of you know the, the aliens are trying to tell us to do something basically, right? Um, and so then they get a team of people together trying to figure out you know what is this this thing. Um, and then we get this cool scene where she's basically driving to work and it's become Woodstock. <laughs> oh yeah. There's, there's people from all different walks of life. You got your hippies, you got your conspiracy theorists, your alien enthusiasts, and of course your crazy religious zealot. <laughs> Super crazy right wing nut job. Uh, basically like the Westboro Baptist church kind of, kind of people. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, that's what the guy came off to me as. Uh, yeah. What was that guy's? Forget that guy's name. <clears throat> uh, I don't remember act- if he actually had a name, or do. Oh, do you just mean the actor's name? The the character, yeah. I don't feel like the character they say his name. He's just right wing crazy guy, basically. That nut job. <laughs> yeah. But um, I forget the name of the actor. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Ellie. Uh, oh no. She does these little rabbit kicks sometimes when she's yeah. Just lay down. Just lay down. Because he's related to another actor. Um, man, I can't find it. <clears throat> da, 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 da. Um, yeah, I can't find it. Anyway, so, <clears throat> so yeah, they're, they're, yeah, this guy is super ominous too, right? Because like from the jump, he's like, he sees her and he's like, you people. They're the, you, the, they're the enemy. <laughs> like whoa <laughs> yeah it's, this is the part of the movie that i remembered the most from watching it as a kid because you know when you grow up in a church these are supposed to be the good guys and uh-huh. they're not and i just remember him scaring the crap out of me as a kid just frightening me and again it's so crazy to me that my my parents let us watch this because again the main character is an atheist yeah. and a character that's being portrayed as as evil as a terrorist is a white Christian's crazy pants dude, and it just it scared me. It scared the crap out of me. Yeah, yeah, and and he's like not only that, but he's like a he's got this blonde hair. Like he's he's the he's like the spinning image of what we would think of as like the evangelical preacher. You know exactly. Yeah. And, you know, you're growing Christian, you're raised to think, oh, no, those are, he is the good guy. I'm like, no, he's not. He's, not. he's, he's being really awful, actually. Um, yeah, the actor, it's a Jake Busey. So it's like Gary Busey's oh, brother yeah. or something like that. It's the know? teeth. The teeth should have ticked me off about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, those teeth don't lie. And you know what's funny, too? Gary Busey was like, Gary Busey was like kind of, 
he was he was a he was a normal guy until he had a had a, an accident on a motorcycle. Yeah, I heard that he um uh, yeah. it was like painkillers and stuff like that that kind of messed him up a little bit. Um, I think he be, may have become an addict or something like that, um, which is actually really sad if that's the case. It, it is sad. Yeah, I mean when you have when you have major trauma to your head, it messes yeah. straight up. You know. But anyway, yeah. So the Jake Busey character, he, he's he's this kind of nutty guy. Um, and then, so we get this really cool scene where they have this. There's like this clo- cloak and dagger meeting with the with the guy, the billionaire guy, uh, S.R. Haddon, where they like kind of whisk her away into this room, and there's like cameras watching her all the time. Um, and this is the guy who's been funding her research, and she finally meets him. And this dude is eccentric. This yeah. dude is like he's got these long fingernails, and like he's wearing these glasses, and he's bald. He's also wearing makeup because he's so sickly that he has no color to his face. <laughs> So he's got like rouge on or like blush and like a little bit. I think there's some eyeliner on there. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, he's he's pretty sick. And uh, yeah, he's been following her career. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so like uh, <laughs> this, like the prequels or whatever. Like <laughs> reminds me of that. Um, so he basically decoded the Matrix for her. Um, <clears throat> so... You know, silly humans thinking in two-dimensional, two-dimensional space um, is basically like the thing that was sent was like a three-dimensional blueprint. And so, if you think of it that way, then it makes sense. I'm sorry that, for being human and thinking in only yeah, no. two dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we yeah. would have gotten there. No, they wouldn't have. The thing is, if he hadn't helped them, I think they probably would have been spinning their wheels for a really long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they f- they figure out that this is a schematic for a machine. It's like what, <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. Uh, <laughs> and so now the thing becomes: What are we gonna do? Are we gonna build it? Are we gonna? How are we gonna build it? Who's gonna build it? Who's gonna go? What's who's this gonna for? pay for it? <laughs> who's gonna pay for it? <laughs> um, and then you know the speculation runs rampant, right? You know people. So. I'm wondering, what do you think, if this really, do you think that if this really happened, like today, 2020, uh, well, let's say let's say it happened in 2019 and there was no coronavirus. <laughs> let's put it like, like, maybe that's a better way to put it, because then I think people would be more willing to do these kind of things. Mm. Uh, I think I think now, well, anyway. So how do you think today today's media landscape would react and like the sort of political landscape? Oh, God. I think they would build it, but I think it would definitely take longer than how it's portrayed in the movie. Because only if it feels yeah. like if any time passes besides just the four years from her being in Puerto Rico then to Mexico, I feel like maybe it would take a, a lot longer. I feel like Elon Musk would definitely be involved in some way. <laughs> yeah, he'd, he'd want to be the one to go in the freaking machine or whatever. <laughs> yep. Um, he would want to be involved in some way. I think it would probably happen because if it got out... You know, if we couldn't, if the government or the governments of the world couldn't keep it silent from us little folk. Um, yeah, I think it would probably happen because at this point, you know, why not? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. So this is, um, I think I'll just bring it up now just to talk about. This is an interesting thing. So there's a blueprint for this machine, right? Um, if the blueprint ever got out, like, I feel like there'd be a lot. Like, I feel like there'd be, like, would an Elon Musk type person just build one? 
Yeah, probably. Right. If the internet, if it got on the internet, oh, for sure. And you know it would. Like, you know that yeah. shit would get leaked. Like a freaking blockbuster movie yeah. would get leaked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think there would definitely be a lot more. That's the thing why I would think it would take longer because so many people would be, like, haggling over it. You yes. know, who has the right to build it? Why don't we all have the right to build one? And we all send someone wherever sending them actually is. Um it's easier because it's kind of in a little vacuum in the 90s because we don't have the internet as we know it today. Um, because there's a lot of there's a lot of powerful countries that I think would want one and would want to be the first. It would be a new kind of space race. Only yeah. it's it's very it's a very different space race. We're not going to the moon this time. We don't actually know where the fuck we're going. Yeah, yeah. Because this one, you know, it seems like basically there's a little posturing, right? So we we. Get the scene where Japan they say, okay, we just want proprietary information for the technology, but we don't want to send a Japanese person into the machine. So we're we're cool with like you know conceding that as long as we get that's the thing we want. And then of course it's like five Americans or whatever, <laughs> and the rest of them are Americans. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so there's like five Americans. These freaking people are like, yeah, send me in, you know. And then there's like a couple of Russians and like probably some Europeans, like a French guy or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, I wonder if there'd be some kind of bidding war involved, where I feel like yeah. you know all all like the most important nations would be involved in some way, contributing different materials or different manpower X, Y, and Z. Um, but who would actually have the honor to go? Like from what nationality or country or program? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think I think that would be interesting because, like, I feel like the main thing is like obviously, and so again in this in this movie, it's basically treated as a NASA project because they do it at Cape Canaveral where all these other NASA things happen. Um, so it's sort of treated like that. Be interesting to see, like, you know, in today's world. Would it would we basically do that? Would it just be easier to just to do it at you know in that location, or would it be somewhere else? Um, would it still be international? Because I feel like the 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 thing now is like it'd be like a China versus USA kind of thing, and you know maybe on the China side would be some other countries, some and but on the USA side would be like USA and Europe and some other maybe uh, other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's kind of the dichotomy now, as opposed to at that time, it's like. National versus international exactly, is discourse. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, so yeah, so they, you know, the plans come out, the plans get leaked, and they, they leak this thing of like there's a person inside of the little, you know, pod. Like, oh my god, there's a person that has to be sent. You didn't tell us that from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Pod so then, yeah. And so then there's this big thing, right? Where uh what's his name? He, they all, all of them <clears throat> meet with the president, right? And they, they have this, this big powwow and they're like, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to build it. And cause that was a question, right? Like, are we actually going to do this? Are we actually going to build this thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're going to build it with an international effort. And there's going to be a tax force to decide who goes in the machine. Um, and then David Drumlin resigns. So she was, so Ellie was afraid that he was going to kind of tip the scale, scale against her. And instead, it's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, basically, it's like, I'm going to run against you. <laughs> Pretty much. Dick move. So, interesting thing, too. So, they, they talk about the cost. And so, basically, they say the cost is like a third of a trillion to half a trillion dollars, which um, <laughs> in, today, in today's world is like nothing, ironically. 
<laughs> like, it's actually it's relatively nothing. cheap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought that was funny, just thinking about like, oh my god, it's a third of a trillion. It's like, sounds like a good deal to me. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the, so they two choose ten scientist candidates. Um, I thought this was really interesting too. So like the head guy before was this NASA astronaut. And then he he drops out because his family's like, don't go, don't yeah. do it. It's like a it's a one way trip. Yeah, it, it's a, it's yeah. I mean, and it, you know, again, like that's why I'm so glad we watched like First Man. Um, I mean, if you think about like, there are people that just died, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't even go into space. They were just a part of the program and they died. Yep. So this is an alien. This is an alien thing made by humans. Like even if even if you do succeed you might come not come back you might just be put in the thing it's like oops it blew up we didn't we did the we did the wrong thing because we couldn't understand the math yeah i mean it totally makes it and that's that's what kind of makes her character so interesting right because she's super determined oh yeah to do it she's super determined and she really believes in you know doing this thing for i forget i remember that there's sort of they have a conversation her him and uh um, Matthew McConaughey, they have this discussion about why she wants to do it, like how it's important for her. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, you're, it's a very selfless thing, right. To kind of be the one who goes in to be the first one in because it, yeah, you, you may not come back and that's a big risk. Yeah. And you just have to go into it thinking, yeah, I'm not going to come back because you don't want to get that hope up of, Oh no, I'll be back in like five minutes. Um, Cause we don't know how long you're going to be gone. Matthew McConaughey yeah. brings it up in one point in the movie where he was, he's just like, if you know, time will pass very differently. If you're back yeah. in like 50, 60 years, everyone, you know, will be dead more than likely <laughs> like worst case scenario. We're all dead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that you brought that up. And again, this is another thing where it's sort of similar to, um interstellar and he brings up the you know the theory of relativity which is like yeah like you said he could he you could be gone and then it's who knows like it could be any amount of time right yep could be any amount of time you could come back and then it's like you've been gone for a day a year a decade a hundred years who knows right yeah and it'll seem seamless to her or minutes or seconds or maybe even timeless like in this scenario, we don't know if you'll even lose, if you'll, maybe she'll lose track of time entirely. Yeah. We have no idea. No yeah. idea. Um, I mean, they, like basically no one knows what the thing does, right? Now. <laughs> they just say, oh, do this thing, do this thing, press the button. Could be a <laughs> giant then, microwave. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. To serve man. <laughs> Literally. Right? Make this machine and then we'll drop you. It's like drops, like drops the pot into like the, like, <laughs> Like, like a monster's mouth and it just eats you. <laughs> thank God, thank God. We've been trying to feed this space yeah. dragon for a really long time. And now we have the perfect resource. Space dragon. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so then there's this big... So basically, she's the front runner, right? And there's this big, this big kind of thing where, you know, she's answering all these questions in front of this, you know... Committee. Committee, yeah. Uh, and then Palmer kind of just drops the hammer on her and he asks, you know, the big question, like, do you consider yourself a spiritual person? And do you believe in God? And she doesn't say no, but she basically says no by not she saying yes. No, yeah. And that's disqualifying. It's disqualifying for her, unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, hey, guess, guess who? 
the very political David Drumlin is willing to say whatever it takes to, to get the job. And yep. he 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 says some some, you know, on like I don't know, like he again, he's gonna say what he wants people to hear to get to where he wants to be. Pretty much. And so then he gets the job. Um so okay. Now comes the big question, right? So if you were in her position, and the way I want to pose this question is like it could, you know, it doesn't have to be a spiritual thing. It just it could just be like you have to, you know, that they're they're trying to get you to say something you don't believe, mm. basically, right? So it's like, would you answer with integrity, or would you get, would you give them the answer they want to hear so you could get what you wanted? Mm. <laughs> no, I'd just be like, no, nah, I don't believe in God. If that's yeah. an issue, your priorities are pretty fucked up. Because yeah. I thought we were going to space for exploration, not to find Jesus. Yeah. Like, I mean, I at that point, I know I'm, I'm not going to get the job, so I might as well yeah. just tell them what I actually think. It's just like, yeah. you know, this is for the betterment of mankind, not to shake Christ's hand. Like, <laughs> like, like oh no. Like, I'm not going to get the job. That sucks. You guys are assholes. I was just like, I just like imagine her like the pod drops. <laughs> she like sees Jesus. Uh, <laughs> it's like, ow. And what I think is interesting, and maybe if McConaughey had gone, maybe the aliens would have taken the, the form of yes. whatever he thought Jesus was. Because they took a form that she would recognize and trust. Yeah. So if a religious person went, maybe they would see their interpretation of Jesus. Wouldn't that have been funny? He would have come out and said, yeah, I saw Jesus. Jesus said, blah, blah, blah. And Jesus, right. Jesus said that this is the next step in our civilization and we have to wait for the next step. But yeah, I saw Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So in that case, he would have become a prophet, you know, like, so I think it just depends on who goes. I think they want to, I don't know if, like, maybe the people in the movie had some idea that maybe that's what would happen. I mean, I seriously doubt it. But if you send a religious person, they're going to come back with a religious message in some way. So This is all politics, really. This is how politics really works, right? Because it's just people who have different um, opinions, different sort of beliefs, different value systems. Yeah, and when uh, was the last time there was a politician who identified as a fucking atheist? Basically, in America, never. It's like, that's not a thing. Never. We we have to pretend to go to church if we're a politician. We yeah. have to say, oh, yeah, I'm a Protestant. I'm I'm an Episcopalian. <laughs> it's just like, you have to be something. It's like, you do, yeah. part of JFK's appeal and some of, part of his not appeal to some people was he was Catholic. Mm -hmm. It's like, it was a huge deal. He was Catholic. Yeah. So like, yeah. oh, how is that going to affect how your leadership? Same with yeah, that totally. that lady who just got elected to the Supreme Court justice. How is that going to affect? Like, you're telling me that's not going to affect something? Oh, it, absolutely. Is that ingrained? This is coming from a former religious person. It's not that ingrained in you. Even after I had stopped going to church, there were things that came up in my life that brought me right back to my faith. It was just like, well, how would I do this if I was a religious person? Or this is too close to home? Or it's just, I think it's... That's an entirely different fucking topic. <laughs> but, ugh, yeah, it's just, that part of the movie made me really mad. When, yeah. he, when he called her out on that, I'm like... Mm. Yeah, I feel like, honestly, if it were me, if I really, really, really wanted it, um, I would have given a very political answer that would have gotten as close as I could within my own self-integrity to give them what they wanted without totally, you know, just... I don't know. I, I yeah. I would have. I would have given the political answer basically. 
I think is what, if I really wanted it that bad, if I was like, okay, I, I have to do this. This is my calling. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's different, it's different for her too, because like she's been doing this, she's been working towards this one goal her whole life and she hasn't, she hasn't betrayed her own moral compass at all, mm-hmm. which I think is funny that like she carries around the little compass the whole time. Cause she has a very strong moral compass. She does. She has a very strong moral compass and like, she's not willing to break her, you know, her, she's, she's just not willing to, to, to lie. She has a strong sense of who she is and she's not going to stray from that, which is very admirable. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So unfortunately she doesn't get the job, <coughs> which sucks. And of course her, her nemesis gets it. Um, then there's a sort of montage. They're building the machine at Cape Canaveral. Um, and then they have this really interesting, so like, David Drumlin meets with with, with uh, Ellie, and they have this really interesting conversation where you know he says, "Oh yeah, I thought that the committee was unfair. You know, I wish we lived in a world where you know fair was the bottom line." Um, and then she says, "You know, I think the world is what we make of it." <laughs> I thought that was really interesting, which is like kind of a way of kind of calling out his. It's like, well, the world is the way it is because people like you are freaking snakes, and you you know you play politics instead of like standing up for the right thing. And if everyone stood for the right thing, the right thing would win. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was, yeah, this is sort of this idealism versus pragmatism. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, it's, it, it would be nice if the world was more idealistic on some things. No, it would be nice, but uh, it's, it's not right. No, unfortunately human beings have a really good way of not being that, that type of person. Yeah. But that's yeah. shaped that but that's shaped that's that's because of our life experiences and what we're shaped by and idealism can work for one person, but the other person who's had a pretty shitty life and has tried to be idealistic and it doesn't work for them, it doesn't it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> it, yeah, that 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 one really struck me as like this is like the another part of the thematic piece of this film is like she's a super idealistic person and you know, does that actually work? Does a person like that actually get to do what they want? Do they succeed? Does it, do, <clears throat> is it gonna, is it gonna happen for her? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And at this point in the story, it's like, no, but you know, I don't know. I guess we're just gonna have to move on. No, that because you're, you're too good and the world likes breaking good people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's so, okay. So then they're gonna, they, they built the thing. They're gonna run a test. And yeah, this is basically treated like a NASA sort of launch. There's, you know, Cape Canaveral and there's a bunch of people on looking, um, which is cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely would want to be around to see this thing, right? That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> I don't want to be a little far away. <laughs> I'd be a little far away. <laughs> yeah, you'd, you'd be right. You'd be right yeah. to, to do that. Um, just imagine like if the thing blew up or something. I was actually watching like the top 10 worst like space flight disasters or something like that. And most of them were unmanned. Number one was Challenger. Um, But there was one where literally like, I forget what happened. I think it was Russian or something like that, but there's the Russian government. It happened in like the seventies, but they covered it up until like 86. Mm. But there's like video footage literally of like the rocket vaporizing people like on the ground. Like it literally like vaporized people. Yeah. And they were like, no, that didn't happen. You just can't see them because yeah. the the flames are so grainy on the on the camera. I was like, no, like they were like there was yeah, one were- incident. I for, I don't think it was the same one, but there was one incident where they had to do a head count because they couldn't tell who was missing because there were no bodies. 
because it's so hot, uh, it will literally vaporize you if you're standing near it. Yeah. So there was just nothing left of the people. It was just... No, they had to do a head count of who was left wow. to figure out who wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. This is this sort of feels like right. We just we we really romanticize the kind of space exploration stuff. Yeah, we romanticize the ones that made it because they're like, holy crap, they freaking made it. Like when there's like instances, not even just in the US of these things going horribly wrong, like terribly wrong. And so the ones who make it, yeah, there's there's a little bit of, of survivor's guilt associated with that, I can imagine. Like they again in First Man, they portray that beautifully, yes. tragically. The the amount of guilt Neil Armstrong carries throughout that movie is is outstanding and remarkable. He didn't just didn't just go catatonic. Yeah, yeah. Um Thinking of thinking of like being part of a space program where people got vaporized, right? <laughs> like what? What? And your government covers it up. I mean, it's Russia, so why are we freaking yeah. surprised? Yeah, we're not they surprised. covered a disaster up. They were. Yeah. They're still saying that the amount of people who died at Chernobyl didn't actually happen. Yeah. It's like eh, it was just like five people. It was fine. Was yeah. Like, yeah. No. They threw. They they grew more legs. It's fine. This is no big deal. In Soviet Russia, you die in fire. <laughs> yeah. Fire eat you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Space launch you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I know the United States has some really big fucking issues. I'm not, I will, I'm really glad I did not grow up in Soviet Russia. I'm really, really glad. No. Uh, yeah. It was, it was bad and then got worse. <laughs> um, especially, especially like, yeah, all the cover ups, all the, you couldn't, you couldn't leave. No, you couldn't, couldn't leave. leave. Could not. You leave. couldn't leave. You, if you lived in the United States, you could at least get on a plane to go to Hawaii. Okay, yeah. that sounds great. You couldn't, yeah. or go to leave. Europe or something. Anyway. Or go to Europe. Yeah. You could go. You could go anywhere. Not right now. That fucking sucks. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you lived in Russia. It's like no. Yeah, I'm you're stuck. No, you're I'm stuck. I'm great right here. Yeah, yeah. I like having freedom. <laughs> Oh um, yeah, I, I, I just yeah, I can't imagine being part of a program and use you like people got vaporized and then you gotta keep going. You gotta keep yeah. keep keep taking off in these planes. in these you know, it's Wiley e. Coyote strap a bomb to your back and hope you get into space. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. It's like we had a guy orbit. It's okay, we can do it again. Oh wait. <laughs> yeah, it it is it is crazy. It is crazy. I really feel like we haven't totally come to terms with that era no of, I'm, like what we also just talk about the amount of animals that died in the testing of all of these things the chimps the dogs it's like yeah oh yeah god i mean human there's life there's a statue tragic, for these freaking dogs right right there's a statue for the freaking dog oh what was it it was the not a bobsledder i think it was it was oh, in alaska like yeah there's a statue for balto for god's yeah. sakes I mean, he did do it. And they, that was pretty amazing. They needed to get that penicillin yeah. for those Bal kids. Balto and Togo, yeah. Yeah. I'm totally sidetracking us. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, anyway. So, then Ellie sees, you know, this dude, Jake Busey. I, I, I looked up. So, the character name was Joseph. Anyway, he's a radical right-wing Christian dude. Um, and she's like, oh, shit, dude. That guy, you got to stop him. He's not supposed to be there. Oh, that scene is so tense. Yeah, and then they they go after him, and he's like got something in his hand, and so he was he wearing like a vest? Was he I think like he was a... wearing like a bomb bomb vest yeah. or something like that. But what I think what made that scene so much more tense 
was that you get most of it from them just watching it on the video feed. Yeah. I think there's a couple of other shots where they actually cut to inside the the thing, mm-hmm. um, the structure. But for the most part, it's just really from Ellie and everyone else's point of view yes. watching it go down. And it's horrible. It's so awful. Yeah, you're just watching them struggle with this guy and like he's – He's doing whatever he like. I think he dropped the thing and then he picks it back up and then you just see them. He pulls. He he hits the button and all the all the cameras go dark and then you see the explosion and just the stuff goes flying and like you were saying, those onlookers like there's a piece of metal that was flying at them. Yeah, it's really awful because it's not just the people who are inside the structure. It was everyone who was watching it. The people down on the ground, you know, it's because this thing is not like it's. A, launching into space or anything like that it's just gonna be woo woo woo. and this was just Mm -hmm. a test they weren't even sending anyone this was just a test and yeah it's it's so awful so this christian radical dude and then he lead they they show this video of him he's got like a kind of like 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 the kind of stuff that like this the school shooter people do yeah or like videotape or like uh, cults and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They sometimes leave a message. Sometimes, um, very cultish behavior. Yeah, and so we're like, dude, this is it. It's over. They blew it up because, like, that cost like <laughs> a third of a trillion dollars. <laughs> yeah, it costs like like a non, you know, a large percentage of the world GDP to build this mm-hmm. thing, and it got blown up by one nutty Christian dude. Um, so yeah, we're at a bad point. Uh, and then she goes into her hotel room and, uh, there's, (laughs) there's, there's a massive TV and a laptop and a satellite and she like, it's the presses a button. And then it's like the mirror space station, bunch of Russians. Um, and so, yeah, this was interesting thing. So like the, the, the mirror space station was like the Russian version of what I guess now is the ISS and it was deorbited in 2001. Um, so yeah, at this time it still was up in orbit. Um, yeah. And so, um, what's his name is there? Uh, the billionaire, this billionaire dude, SR had, and he's, you know, basically he says, yeah, I'm up here because the zero G keeps the cancer from killing me. Oh yeah. By the way, the Japanese built a second machine. This is why they were involved. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, I love, like, this is actually really cool, like, when they're like, oh, by the way, and, like, the way he says it, like, there's this, like, why, <laughs> like, the, the first rule of government finance, why why build something for one thing for half the price when you can do two at twice the price? <laughs> it's like, yeah, to spend more money. <laughs> why not? Just spend more money. Yeah, I love like, it. And they want an American pilot. Are you in? <laughs> you want to go for a ride? I love that. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's like hell yeah, I'm in. Like I, I, I really like this part of the movie because you're like, that's that's kind of one thing you don't see coming that there's they built a second thing that's completed in in secret, and you know it makes sense that they would do it in secret. They're like, hey, look, there's some people who aren't gonna like this. I mean, if it was me, I'd build too. I mean, it makes sense. What if the test goes wrong? What if it hadn't been someone who just blew it up? What if something had just gone wrong? Makes sense yeah. to build too. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um. And so they, they built it on this this island, and they select her to be the pilot. So Yay, she's gonna do it, yeah. Um, and then we get this stuff. So this was actually very controversial. So they give her they they show the NASA people giving her a cyanide pill. Mm. So NASA didn't like that because <laughs> because they say that they don't do. That. Uh, 
What do you, what do you, do you think that's true? Oh, or fuck not? yeah, they do. Are you kidding me? I bet, like, I bet they do. If not a cyanide pill, something similar. Something similar. Yeah, you know, I would, I think I would probably want one if I ever did. I, I, I would not want to be, cause like, okay, let's just think about this, right? So when they went to the moon, there was a non zero chance that they would have been stuck there. Uh, yeah. I, I don't want to, I don't want to just, and they were saying, oh, yeah, no, we don't do that because then people can just pull their oxygen. Fuck that. I don't want to, like, suffocate in a freaking space you wanna, suit. You know, you, okay, you either suffocate or you freeze to death. Hmm. How about I just uh, go to sleep? Yeah, how about I just bite down on the pill and look at the, 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 the planet Earth as I die? I'd prefer exactly. that. Exactly. I just... <laughs> Yeah, I know shit they didn't like it. They're probably like, oh, fuck. Our yeah, secret's the, out. Yeah, the pro oh clutching. God. Oh, my God. People people are going to think that astronauts could die. Like, yeah, they can die. Wow, yeah. they're not superheroes who just drive Corvettes <laughs> all the time. <laughs> they're infallible. I they know. they make mistakes. Oh, wow. Let me do all of this calculus and long division in my head <laughs> while I'm monitoring shit, while I'm making sure I'm still breathing and not shitting my pants. <laughs> yes. It's like remember that scene in First Man where like they're um on the rover or whatever and like they're going over a crater and they don't you know. You mean to they tell me enough. Buzz Aldrin didn't pee, pee his pants a little bit? He's like he like he's like he's like about to bite down on the side. It's like uh yeah, no, like like yeah, he's literally doing long division yeah. and whatever other math that he has to do while keeping an eye on Neil, while talking to Collins and the thing. It's just there's too much. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Somebody pooped in that cr- in, in the rover. Somebody definitely pooped their pants. <laughs> They're still heroes. W- They're still amazing. I would poop my pants if I was, like, seeing that crater and it's black. It is black. And you are this close to falling into it. And that's it. That's it. That rover would be filled with vomit. Okay. <laughs> like, we don't want to think of them that way. That's fine. Or yeah. maybe they kept their heads completely like cool and totally under pressure. But at some point, you're going to re- be reminded that you're in space <laughs> over a crater and you're running out of fuel. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's why they do it and I'm down here. That's, yeah, that's exactly. why. That's, that's why. Um, yeah. So, NASA didn't like that. Um, so then later we get the scene where Palmer comes to see comes to see her and then he admits that he torpedoed her uh her thing for the first one because he didn't want it to lose her because it was true love yeah because i love you so i I love you so i i completely ruined your chances of going and living out your dream yeah how, (laughs) how how would you have felt if you know someone told you that that you liked ostensibly um i'd be pretty pissed yeah, I've I've had moments in my life where someone told me that they sabotaged something that I wanted to do because they were just like, oh no, I just didn't think you would be right for it, and I was just like, what, what? Or when I won something and people told me that I didn't deserve it. Oh, uh. <laughs> like I don't know which one is worse: being told that you were sabotaged or knowing people don't think you deserve it. They both feel pretty similar. Um. And it wasn't even like it wasn't even anything like major. It's nothing that was going to change my life in any way. Um, but no, it's it's a pretty crummy feeling on any level. But if like I don't know if I was going to because where I work now, there's an opportunity to work overseas for literally anyone. Um, if someone if someone told me that they sabotaged my opportunity to go work overseas, I'd be pretty upset. 
Yeah. That's the closest thing I can think of that would that I could relate to it. I think I'd be pretty annoyed, but he did it for love. So they kind of gloss over that too. She kind of forgives him. I mean, you know, maybe in the end, you know, they they don't really talk about this in the film, but you could kind of make a faith argument because if she did, she would have gotten blown up, right? <laughs> That's true because I think they gloss over it because technically he saved her life. Yeah, I think that's probably why they gloss over it because she's like, mm-hmm. oh well, could have been blown up. So. Yeah, could have been blown up. <laughs> and then, and then, like the worst thing is, like, of course, then her nemesis would have been on the second one. <laughs> so then it would. Exactly, and who knows what the hell Drum would have seen? <laughs> Drum, yeah. he would have seen himself. <laughs> I think he would have seen himself. <laughs> He's that kind of a guy. Oh yeah. Um, so then we get these. So this is really cool. They put her in a spacesuit, right? She's wearing this cool ass spacesuit, and um, she's escorted by these two Japanese guys into the thing, into the pod. <clears throat> um, and it's, yeah, it's just super cool. Like you know, she looks down and she can see all the way to the ground, and there's just like water under the rings that are spinning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought this was so cool. Like 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 when she's about to enter the pod, and then she gets into this pod right and so apparently the aliens told us to build it with this material so like when it closes it totally becomes uh i'm not not sure what the word for it is but it's like um where the little divots were where the the door was go away so it's seamless um so there's no like door there's like no exit basically (laughs) hope you pooped before you left joey (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um so, and the other thing too, so like as the rings start going faster and faster and like the energy picks up, the bottom, the material starts to become translucent. And whenever she looks at it, she can see through it. And then her, so she, they give her a bunch of recording equipment. They give her like a, I don't know, like a camera basically and some other stuff. Yeah, kind of like um, a headset camera and she's got a microphone. She's and... got a mic, yeah. And then as the things pick up, hey, guess what? It stops working. Big and surprise. Big surprise. Yeah. Hmm, the aliens, the aliens are smart. They know they can trick the silly humans to prevent them from recording what's gonna happen. Um, you don't get to see the what's about to happen next. You just have to believe that it happened. Um mm-hmm. so then um, you know, basically there's sort of this tension about are they gonna cancel the thing or not? Uh what's his name from the beginning, the 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 blind guy says, no, no, she's good. She's good. Let it go. Let's do it. Um, and so then they go through with this thing. And so they pick up speed and then it sort of reaches a crescendo and she's dropped down and she's dropped down through a wormhole. <laughs> it's yeah, it's really like cool. when you go on a water slide and you go through like the tunnel first and then it opens up. And you're like, yeah. Ah! yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. And so this, you know, it's really interesting comparing this to Interstellar, right? Because basically the same concept. You go through a wormhole and then the wormhole takes you somewhere. Uh, very different the way that this is depicted. Um, as opposed, you know, again, a lot of this has to do with technology of the time. So when she's going through, basically it's like this blue tube. And she can kind of see, you know, where she's going pretty much. It's not just like seeing the universe folded through a cylinder. It's sort of like uh, almost like you're on a on a road, and she sees that she's going to I think it was Nova, right? Oh, Vega. Vega, yeah. Vega, mm-hmm. the star of Vega. Um, and so then she's going, going, going. So basically, it's they created a wormhole superhighway. Is what mm-hmm. these things created, and so she's she's going on her first stop. <laughs> to Vega. It's a hell of a ride. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, so, and again, this is this is so interesting because like there's a whole bunch of stuff that they kind of they try to imply. So I guess they did. You know, they probably don't have the budget to really go there, but they kind of imply the bigger thing, the bigger scope of what's behind all this stuff. She goes to Vega, right? And it's this big blue star, and it's really cool. And she looks up for a second, right? And she sees some kind of superstructure, some kind of array or something, something that was built there. Mm-hmm. That's obviously um, built by a super advanced civilization. Uh, and then she's immediately sucked back into... <laughs> it's your yeah. exit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, now we're going to send you... Um... So basically, that's like a, for that's like our... <laughs> I, I like how would I put it? It's like uh, it's like when you go like when you're going to like a major road or something. It's like it's like if you're going to New York, right? And then there's the what the George Washington Bridge. Mm-hmm. So so you go through the George Washington Bridge, and then if you're gonna go, I don't know, whatever to Manhattan, then there's another bridge or whatever. So like this is her passing the George Washington Bridge to get to the next phase of uh, wormholes to to where the these these aliens who she's going to meet are. So then. She goes through, and then she gets to a. She stops at this other system. This is really cool too. It has four. It's a four star. It, there's four stars <laughs> that the, this planet that she's near um, are. I guess in in going around or whatever. I forget what you call it. And for a, and again, very brief. But for a second, we see that this planet. There's a civilization there. There's a, there's like you know it's nighttime and there's a whole bunch of like stuff that's lit up. So like there's that's that's basically them pretty much from what we can understand uh this planet with four stars which is pretty cool um it's pretty cool i love that it's kind of similar to interstellar where it only gives you like a little bit and then it takes it away and they send her somewhere else and then you see a little bit more and you're just like oh i want to stay i want i want to know about that and then they're like nope (laughs) yeah yeah um we're we're left to imagine right exactly it leaves a lot to your imagination um and there's just so much happening too. Not to mention what's going on inside the pod, and she's just like trying to explain as she's seeing everything, and it's it's a lot for a human being to handle. A lot, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, these are all the the first the first human to ever do X, go through a wormhole, see a star that close, see some superstructure, you know. <laughs> Uh, and so then, you know, they send her off again to some other place. And um, there's this interesting moment. So, like, for a brief second, they transpose her younger self mm-hmm. onto her older self. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. And, you know, this was, I guess, we were talking about earlier with that shot with the mirror. Like, I feel like that's kind of where this is circling back. It's like all this time relativity, it's like her younger self is experiencing this at the same time mm-hmm. as she is now. Um, yeah, it's really, it's really cool. It's really no, cool. No, that like, shot is really to... good. It still looks good. I feel like that was like the money shot. <laughs> that was like, we have to make this appear seamless and fluid and natural. And it has to look, I want all of the money <laughs> in this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this has to be perfect looking. And it did. I thought it looked really, really good. I think it could stand that shot of her face morphing and changing really seamlessly could stand up to something to a movie made this year or last year. Yeah, I think totally. it looked really, really good. And they do. They blend the voices, too. Um, and mm-hmm. she's like seeing the celestial event. Should have sent a poet. Yeah, she just said a pro. No, really, because and that's what I love about she doesn't have like this big grand speech, which I'm sure she probably 
practiced in her head at some point was like, oh, this is what I'm going to say. And this is what I'm going to transmit back to, you know, home base or whatever headquarters. And she's just, she has no words. Should have sent a poet. <laughs> like yeah. she's in awe of what she's seeing because nobody else has ever seen it before. No human anyway. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, what do you think of like, I guess your thoughts in general about this whole sequence? Um, it was, it was good. I like that. I like that she got out and like walked around. I think it's very normal. She's, she's not, that's the thing. She's not an explorer. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? She's a scientist. And she even has said earlier in the movie, like what she would ask these beings if she met them. And she doesn't even ask her a question. She's too, she's too overwhelmed. She's, she has too many questions. You know, she thought she would be really calm, cool and collected, but she just, she has no words. And I like that. I like that. It felt very natural that she would just like be ah, <laughs> ooing and awing at everything because why wouldn't you? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's overwhelming for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, I, I don't know what I'd ask and an all, I have to assume all knowing alien entity. Like we don't even know what they actually look like. Are we they don't. just, are they just light or what, like, what are they, you know, like, are they, are they bipedal? Like, <laughs> do they have two arms and two legs? Do they have a head? Or is it just a brain? Is it just a floating brain in sp space, like in Futurama? <laughs> you know, like yeah. I would, I would no not idea. know what to ask. I'd just be like, "Hi." <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So then in the next scene, she like sort of finds herself on this beach, uh, or uh, you know, it, it all see it all looks like a. <laughs> you know, like like a like a hologram, basically. <laughs> yeah, she can like touch the sky, and the sand's really weird. Everything's a little too clean and crisp looking. Yeah, and so this is sort of supposed to be like Pensacola, Florida, like uh, this sort of imagining of that place from her childhood. Um, and then there's this really like <laughs> the shot is like quite the tease, like when you see a mirage of this thing, and you're just like, okay, am I gonna see an alien? <laughs> You know, it's, what's going to happen? Yeah. You're like, oh, oh, my God. What is it? Oh, it's her dad. <laughs> it's just her dad. Yeah, but that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. But it's she not actually. Closure. Yeah. And they yeah, they have this. Yeah, they have closure. And then she's like, you're not my dad. <laughs> you're trying to pull a fast one, eh? Yeah. It's like, oh, see, that's the scientist. Um, And then the alien projection or whatever this thing is sort of explains and she's like oh you must have downloaded my thoughts and figured out this is what you know would be the best thing for me to see it's like yeah blah 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 and so basically the alien explains to her like this is the first step um this is how we basically greet people into our intergalactic civilization you have a couple steps you have to get the path before we're you know gonna let you in um the, another interesting thing is like the, the, the alien says like the the wormhole superhighway was not built by them. Yeah, so it's even older. Like they don't even know who built it. Yeah, we just kind of found it and started using it. Um, we don't know who made it. <laughs> yeah, that that's really interesting. That whole concept of like finding finding intergalactic, I guess, infrastructure, if you will. But like the people who built it are gone, and they've never come back in like millions of years. That's a really interesting concept, actually. Yep. You know, it's like, uh, was it made with the Big Bang? If the Big Bang is, you know, like, what started the superhighway? Like, was it the first beings that had consciousness? What was it? Who were they? Yeah. 
Um, many, <laughs> many questions with not a lot of answers. Um, and so then, you know, like basically that's what she gets to tell the humans when she gets back. And then we see her come out of the thing and then it drops into the water and her little pod. And, you know, that was it. Um, and so then basically people are like, you know, from our perspective, nothing happened. <laughs> you didn't go anywhere. Yeah. You just went, <laughs> and she shows the video and it's just like very um, anticlimactic. Yeah. It's just like this little thing falling. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, her video feed is all like just fuzz. You know? it's, yeah. It's just static. Um, could, yeah. Could you, <laughs> could you imagine like how pissed off, pissed off people would be if like, they spent tons of money to build this machine. And it looks like we just got trolled. Yep. Well, like, that's, that's exactly what they're implying later at the inquiry. They're just like, mm-hmm. it was it was all just a prank. <laughs> it's all just a practical joke by this dying old guy. This dying rich old guy. Yeah. And every and he was just like trying to fuck with everybody. Yeah, that yeah. So there's yeah, there's this inquiry and there's uh Kits is there, which is the James Wood character. Another antagonist, basically, for her. He just grills her, just, like, big time. Um, and, he, and he's like, you know, before they, they bring up Occam's Razor. And he's like, well, Occam's Razor would be that you're crazy, basically. And she's like, no, I just know what happened. And I have zero proof. And that's the moment where she has to go on faith. That she has to hope mm-hmm. people just believe her, basically. Yeah, and so she basically just says, yeah, I saw the alien, which was like my dad. There was, we were at the beach, and it was like about 18 hours was what I experienced. Um, he's like, oh, but there's no proof, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, all she's left with is like, I I know what happened, happened. I know that was my experience. I can't explain it. There isn't any proof, but it happened. And I love that she has no doubt. Like, they're trying to sow the seeds of doubt in her, and she's mm-hmm. just like, no, that's not what happened at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's sort of the end of it. And then we get this scene where her and uh, Matthew McConaughey, they kind of, they leave the inquiry and they ask him, like, do you believe her? It's like, well, you know, we don't agree, but I do believe her. <laughs> because I love her. I, yeah. Because well, now they have something in common for yeah, the first time have, in the whole movie. They both have faith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, th- so... Yeah, this is sort of, and then at the end, we get this sort of dramatic thing where, you know, like we were talking about before, her, uh, James Woods and Angela Bassett are on the best FaceTime call in the history of the 90s, Mm -hmm. uh, where what they say is nothing was recorded. It was all static, but it was 18 hours of static. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. I love his reaction. He's like, continue. And she keeps going. He's just like, continue. Like, what are you trying to say, Angela? And she's like, I think you're a lot. Like, shit, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think I think she's she was right. It's basically yeah. So what's interesting about this? So basically, what happens is, and so this is actually another thing that's not really talked about, I guess, in the same way. Is this is it? This is an inverse. Um, well, I wouldn't say anything. it's all it's all relativity, but it's relativity where she she comes back older. She's 18 years older than the people. 18 hours older than the people of her time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's never, yeah, that's kind of, and so it, it, it's the opposite of like what happens in like the interstellar kind of stuff where you, the main character experiences uh, basically time travels because of relativity. Um, that's also not talked about 
as much, I feel like, because, you know, she could have come back and been 100 years old, but for them it was a second, right? True. Um, is there really any way to tell that she's 18 hours older, though? Yeah, probably Maybe not. that's why they were just like, oh, maybe if it had been a year that she was gone, there would have been, like, some, I don't know, some way to to tell even like a visual cue or something like that. Cause yeah, if she was gone for 40 years and she came back 40 years older, it would be like more obvious because she is the physical proof. Um, but I can't, I can't really think of any way to tell if she's 18 or 18 hours older, but that is, I didn't even think of that. That's a really good point though. I think the only way would have been if she had a watch, mm. right. If she had a watch and it, you know, if that, that would have told them because it yeah, would have, which- which I'm kind of surprised she didn't have any kind of watch with her. Just even if it's just like a a uh, a costume choice piece or anything like that. But that kind of ma- it would make sense that maybe she would want to watch. It would make sense for the character to have one. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, a lot of this has to do with giving us a dramatic story element. Very true. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's basically the plot of the film. Um, yeah. So, like, how did this how did watching this film now? How did it feel? come off to you how did how did it reviewing it or what once again like did anything change from when you saw it the first time um i just have a different perspective because now i'm an adult and i pardon me i understand the themes just a little bit more than when i was a kid when i was a kid it just scared me because of the religious <laughs> element of it um but now it I, it excites me because i like science and stuff like that even though sometimes it goes over my head like i like i well i really like theoretical science too because it's just so there's so many crazy like theories out there. Um, but no, I really liked it. I think it was not any, t- I don't think any time was wasted. I think they covered a lot of important elements that sometimes uh, I feel like films like this are getting better at, which is like the overall impact on everyone kind of a thing. Um, like the whole of humanity. Um, but no, it was good. I really liked it. It's one of my, one of my favorite movies now, especially about like, you know, like, going through a wormhole and shit like that like that's fun like that's it's just even if like there's no way we're ever gonna do it in our lifetime but it's fun to think about (laughs) yeah definitely i i like this film probably more than i did when i watched it you know when i was younger um it definitely helps a lot like there's a lot of stuff that you know rings a lot stronger for me you know the the science versus religion elements you know just like really understanding the what the character went through like mm-hmm. the fact that she's like a woman in the man's world basically and like having to deal with like you said all the mansplaining and all the just just you know i don't know just getting cut off and stuff and just getting yeah it's just like nothing like, listened to and it doesn't even really and mm-hmm. even without like her like being a woman like that's just it's just insulting you know like she's yeah. the one who discovered it she should get credit for it and everyone's just trying to trying to say that they own it it's not something that you can own first contact is not something you you can take credit for but you can't own it it's like i love again i just love when she's like why would it just be for americans like <laughs> i just i love so her exactly i just love that that reaction to it and that she's like this isn't just for the west this isn't just for the western world it impacts yeah. everyone actually and i just i like that she holds i like that somebody said that (laughs) totally yeah it's it's a human thing it's for human beings yeah for humanity Um, to share in because like yeah that's you know and again from her perspective she's a scientist she she believes in science that's the thing that she cares about she doesn't believe in some other crap or about you know nationalism or whatever it's like i'm doing this because i want to 
break boundaries that matter for human beings, not like some exactly, you know, and not for some political agenda or for you know military weaponization or whatever. That's just because we all deserve it. <laughs> we all deserve to share in it, and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I, I really, I definitely appreciated that stuff more, especially like the the science stuff and like the. I really like that scene too, where she's she's talking with um, you know the guy, the guy who's always undercutting her, and yeah, she really is the type of character where she wants to like do the good in the world, you know, and like mm-hmm. make the difference and make the change like that for her. Like that's how you make the world the way you want it to be. Is you you do you act that way. You don't exactly. just wish it; you do it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that was definitely something I appreciated. Um, yeah. So any any. Last thoughts? Any parting feelings? Um, it was just, it's nice to see a, a character like Ellie who's like just inherently good. And she's so passionate about fairness in a, in, in, in a scenario where fairness is just completely like, yeah, nobody gives a shit about that. Um, and who stays true to herself while also learning that, you know, sometimes you have to take some things on faith. She doesn't not learn any lessons. Um, but she's, she remains very true to herself and I like that about her. I'm glad she didn't actually meet God. Yeah. <laughs> Cause no. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. she did. We really don't know. <laughs> yeah. Matthew McConaughey would have seen Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah. I also appreciate, again, this is another where like the scientists are like depicted in a way that's pretty cool. Yeah. I feel like, you know, um, there's not a lot where it's like scientist, scientist type people are depicted as being, you know, the arrogant or mad scientist type of thing. Yeah. Or even just like nerdy and kind of, you know, weird. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, like, like, yeah, you're either a nerd or yeah, you're freaking, you know, Frankenstein <laughs> or something. Exactly. Yeah, the, the action hero ha- who has no scientific background whatsoever has to solve this problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not the, not the people who live their lives dedicated to science. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like in Armageddon, why didn't they send scientists? I mean, in real oh, life, it's going to take longer to train them. I think that's in real life. They would have just trained the, the they would have brought in the oil people to train them, to train, and they would have they would have gotten it very quickly, like exactly. just drilling a freaking hole. But no, we need, we need Bruce Willis to blow up <laughs> yeah. that asteroid. He needs to punch that asteroid in the face because he's Bruce freaking Willis. Damn it! I feel like Deep Impact kind of handled the science of that stuff a lot better. That's one that's on my list to watch. Elijah but Woods I, in it too. I heard it's very similar to Armageddon, but I, I don't think I've, I don't know if I've ever seen it. My dad did like disaster movies, so he might have rented it from the VHS store that was down the street. But yeah, they, you know, what's cool is like they're they're very different movies for sure. Um, that's what's nice about it. But yeah, I feel like I feel like Deep Impact is like the the contact of that type of hmm. basically. Yeah, it it tries to take, but it, it's it, it's it's another '90s artifact for sure. Okay. <laughs> I'll probably end up. I'm definitely plan. I definitely plan on watching it. Like yeah. I said, it's on my list of those '90s movies to watch. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. I think that covers everything we're going to talk about. It's been fun. This is definitely a good sort of se- series of films. They've all sort of covered similar topics, and um. Yeah. It's been it's been fun talking about them and kind of going back on them and also sort of seeing how film has approached these similar things over time and how how different they are. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> different interpretations too, for sure. Which is always nice to have like a different perspective on how people imagine, you know, what a wormhole might be like to travel through on a super alien highway. Yeah, I guess one last thing I wanted to talk about was like, uh, so there was, I saw this thing. And so basically um, the movie Doctor Strange um, references this movie <laughs> in a really interesting way. Really? So like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know if have you seen that movie, Doctor Strange? Oh yeah, I was okay. so psyched to see that movie. So when when Doctor Strange at some point he like I I think he meets Dormammu or something like that, but like he's sucked into some kind of weird place. Um, it's ex it, the way that they play it out. It's exactly like Contact. I need to rewatch Doctor Strange then, because like if I I probably wouldn't have made that connection because I haven't seen Contact in years. Maybe rewatching Doctor Strange will. Oh, maybe when he's like floating through the multiverse or something like that. There's something like that. It is it is exactly the same. Like he gets like the way she gets sucked through the wormhole, she he gets sucked through the wormhole the same way. Oh. Yeah. Like he like you see like you see like him like he's there and then like he's like and then you see him like it's exactly the same with the contact. Huh. Well, that makes sense. That's yeah, pretty cool. It's because the same team worked on both films the um special effects people so nice i like that I like that yeah. little connection it, it's interesting too because when you see it like they're you know it, it just again it just shows you like what happens with time with these effects they're so different over time oh yeah for sure especially when the technology evolves to do more yeah that maybe you wanted to do then but you couldn't because you you were limited yeah so i mean basically it's implied that dr strange goes through the same ancient wormhole highway <laughs> cosmic highway yeah. hey that'd be pretty cool that would be cool yeah. that'd be pretty cool um so yeah um so any uh stuff you want to plug or anything any project you got coming up online uh soon? no i was actually thinking before i started doing this and like because i have my september fest thing that i do i was thinking about doing something similar around holiday movies yeah i saw a trailer for i think mel gibson's supposed to be playing santa and like an action Santa movie, I feel like Mel Gibson's having to is needs to pay his dues back. <laughs> like he made a good World War Two, World War One or World War Two movie mm -hmm. um, with uh, the kid who played Spider Man. What's his name? Mm -hmm. Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Yeah, that's right. Um, which was supposed to be a really fantastic movie, but I don't, I don't know. I feel like Hollywood's forcing Mel Gibson <laughs> to like um, atone in a lot of ways before he can be welcome back a hundred percent again. He definitely like like that like man he he went he went to a dark place. Yeah, he went there. He went there all right. Um he's got some demons. Yeah, he's got some real demons. I that kind of makes me want to watch Panish Passion of the Christ, but I don't know if I I don't know if I'll ever actually watch that movie. I just it's I don't cuz it's not for me. You know what I mean? How some movies are made specifically for certain people. Yeah. It's it's not for me, so I kind of feel like it'd be a waste of time. But at the other hand, I'm just like, it started a train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> it started a train wreck. So uh, Mel Gibson's always been a very interesting person to me. Pluses and negatives. I like a lot of his movies. I don't. It's kind of how I feel about Tom Cruise. You know, yes. I, I mean, like we've talked about the Scientology yeah, thing before, Scientology. where like they're fantastic. They're really good actor. They're very good. Even Mel Gibson's a pretty good director. Um, but there's just something that, you know, like you wouldn't want to meet them. <laughs> I, I feel like with Mel, when he gets drunk, 
I think that's when you get these, the craziness comes out. Yeah, because I, I never really associated Mel Gibson with sleaziness before all of that went down. And then it was just like, he just seemed, it was just sleazy. You know yeah, what I mean? Sleazy. You Absolutely. always kind of hoped he wasn't like that true Hollywood type or whatever. But, you know, we don't know these people. So all we can do is, again, speculate. But it's definitely disappointing when they're a filmmaker or an actor that you like. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, he 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 has a very like acute level of like depicting violence for sure in the films he directs. Yeah. Very good at it in a in a way that feels real, but it's also very brutal. Mm. Um but yeah, he I, I I've heard some interesting things too about the Santa movie. Um <laughs> uh it, it's it's definitely a curiosity. Um yeah, I wonder if if that's like again one of those actors who had a hard time transitioning around like the late 2000s going into like the 20 teens or whatever. Yeah. I read this thing where they, they wanted him to be a gladiator. Really? Yeah. But he turned it down. I could picture that. I'm really glad it wasn't him. I can picture it, but I'm really glad it was Russell Crowe because that I, I love gladiator. I love that movie. So much. Yeah. I've been watching it again recently. Um, Yeah. I love all Oliver Reed's a very interesting. I, I I recently watched some other stuff that he did, and he's a very interesting actor, <laughs> like very interesting. And unfortunately, he died before he was because like the way that movie was supposed to end was um, whatever the 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 new emperor was going to make him fight Oliver Reed. <laughs> yeah, that was supposed Wait, to be that the was ending. his mentor, right? Oliver Reed yes. was his mentor. Yeah, didn't he? He had a heart attack in a bar fight. I you know I don't know how he died. It was something like that. Like it was something where he either was in a arm wrestling match and had a heart attack or he got <laughs> drunk and got into a bar fight. And had a heart attack. But it was, yeah. Cause they had to film him from behind. They had a stand in for those last scenes from behind. They, they also did some CGI. That was yep. the first dead guy CGI in history, basically. Yeah. And they had to rewrite the script. They had to rewrite cause he was supposed to fight him in the end. Oh, that ending would have been crazy. That actually like, that's a pretty compelling ending because you know how there's always that theme of like the student needs to surpass the master kind of thing you know like especially like star wars is huge on that whole hero's journey aspect Mm -hmm. um yeah that would have been really sad that would have changed the ending in a lot of ways because it kind of goes to hell a little bit with all like like the slaves break out and all that other stuff and yeah that whoa yeah yeah so yeah i I don't you know maybe maybe it's better off the way it is now, I don't know. Who it's knows? still a great movie. <laughs> great movie, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, yeah, I think that uh, covers everything for this episode. We'll see, you know, if there'll be one next week or not, or what we're gonna cover. Um, but yeah, this has been a fun trip of watching these, you know, basically astronaut movies. Yeah, <laughs> that's been good. Cool, cool. All right, everybody. So take care, and uh, may the force be with you. Live long and prosper. <laughs>